Today's episode is brought to you by Fulton, a modern brand of arch support. Fulton launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insole on the planet. Fulton insoles have a deep heel cup and comfortable arch support that aligns your body from head to toe. That's the whole body. They are made using sustainable materials like vegan cactus leather and cork, allowing them to mold to the shape of your arch and provide customized support. They are also shock-absorbing, reducing impact on the body, and are lined with natural foam to make them extra comfortable. I gotta tell you, a few years ago, uh, I've, I've had bad ankles for many years, a number of, a number of injuries. Uh, I finally bit the bullet and bought some insoles for my feet, for my shoes for work, and uh, li- literally the first thought I had the first day wearing them is that they had changed my life. It was, uh, it was an extreme difference, and those insoles are really getting uh, quite worn out, uh, so I think I might turn to Fulton. Uh, especially because Fulton is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the code POD10. That's code POD10 for $10 off at walkfulton.com. Check out the website to see how Fulton can support you. The Sweet 16 Candles of Multiplex Madness Forever concludes as genre films battle it out to win their division and advance to the Elite Eight and a half. A speeding asteroid against a speeding bus. Terminators against toys. Will a pretty woman win the day, or is there just something about Mary and the showdown we knew was inevitable? Noah's favorite Disney film takes on mine. Plus, we recap the 93rd Annual Academy Awards on this, the 149th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah. And uh, Brian, I just want to flag this because I think we have enough time to make sure uh, that it can happen. But Mm -hmm. we should really take pains to ensure that the winner of Multiplex Madness is available to accept the award. (laughs) What do you think? I just, I think, I think, I think it should. I heard. (laughs) It should be on our bucket list. (laughs) I heard speculation that uh, Hopkins offered to zoom in and the producers had a strict no zoom policy. Yes, I heard that as well. I believe it is the case. But also, he's an 83-year-old man in Wales who didn't want to travel during a pandemic. So it's not his fault. Um, Oh, of course it's not his fault. No, 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 I know. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, Wow, 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 wow. What an episode we have for you today. Uh, this is this is going to be long and arduous, so I think we need to get right into it. Um, also, I think this is like a two-year anniversary. Three year? Three years, maybe. Of what? what? Of the of the podcast. When, of what's in the box office? When, when did, well, it, yeah, when did we start this? Oh my God, I don't know. I'll go to our archives and tell you. Go to our archives. I'm pretty sure it was like Infinity War opening weekend, which was the end of April in 2018. And it's usually around the 50 episode mark. Uh, so I know we're not at 150 yet. But uh, I think that the, but next week we're into May. So I think this is it. Maybe last week was, but I think it's this week. That's wild. Uh, let's see. The time our... flew by. As did this time with Noah looking this up. Just flew by. Yeah, our first episode was April 30th, 2018. Look at that. Three years. How about that, huh? That's nuts. When we started this podcast, 
people went to the theaters to see movies. That's that's how long we've been doing this for. Unbelievable. But I do have box office news this episode too, but I didn't want to point that out because we didn't have anything planned for a third year, uh, three year anniversary. Uh, but this is quite an episode to uh, to have it on though. Um, yeah. I mean, this is wild. Guess what? This is so wild. We're not starting with the tournament. You see, the Oscars are a very important uh, day for me. I love them ever since I was a kid. I love, I, I, I turn on E! Entertainment Network, as its full title is, at like 4 p.m. And I watch these people who don't care about the movies try to act like they do. Like, it was painful to see uh, Karamo from uh, Queer Eye try to, try to, say like oh man did i love mank like no you didn't see mank it's fine and you know juliana rancic's on the red carpet and she's like so i mean what was it like learning sign language you don't care you don't know any you know come on let's you know the history could be made because you can no no no. but i love it i love the little elevator spa music they have in the background i soak it up it's my favorite and this was the first year that i wasn't in the room with somebody else to watch uh uh, luckily, uh, uh, fellow podcaster Ahmad Oates of Thing Outside the Boombox and his lovely wife Karen uh, joined me on Skype for the show. But it was the first time that I was alone in a room and couldn't really engage with people. And the first time in a while I haven't watched it with you, Noah. Noah was working. I was. A lack of poor planning on his part, which he'll admit to. But No, uh, no. Hang on. No. I, no, be- I believe was... specifically last time I heard this, you said uh, you, there was no foresight or something like that. No, my lack of foresight is that I did not take off tomorrow and Wednesday in anticipation of vaccine oh, I see. I see. blowback. I have a question then. If if we were, uh, if if it, if it was not quarantined, right? If we could be in the same room, would you have taken the the the, the night off? Put in that request. I would I I would not have put in the request because I exclusively work weekend mornings. I see. Okay. That is that's that's constantly true. But then something it's, like it's, this happens. It's so never in, it's never in question. Then the one weekend I know. that every other bartender puts so, puts in for the day off so, and I have to work the whole fucking day. So in the future, you'll know to just do it in case because this yeah. could happen. But Yeah, no, listen, don't schedule me for a fucking double. Noah wasn't able to watch until well past this, he also had to finish one hour of uh, his last movie. How, how did it go? What did you think of Pinocchio? I uh, here's where I settled on Pinocchio. Uh-huh. I don't think there's ever been a bigger gap between how good I think a movie is and mm. how much time I have for it. <laughs> I th- I think my honest, emotionless yeah. assessment mm-hmm. would be that Pinocchio is pretty good. Okay. I think I think it's well done. Yeah. I think there's charm to a lot of the performances. The effects are good. I do too. Uh, and each little vignette of the story is short enough that uh, it just kind of moves along. But at the same time, couldn't give a shit. Get me out of here <laughs> because you were in a time crunch. You had worked a double. It was yeah. Can you imagine if like? No, but even the first hour we were watching it, I was just I, like, yeah. I I don't want this. Can you imagine if like you had like the last hour of my octopus teacher or better days to watch? Oh boy! <laughs> but oh, boy. Uh, but we did it, guys. For the, the third, no and I've been trying to do this for maybe six or seven years. For the third year, we've watched every single nominee, every performance, all the songs all the shorts uh, because they were all made readily available, which is a good lesson to distributors as we've been preaching for years. 
make your shorts in a bundle that we can just buy for $30. Yes. Put all your movies online so people can either rent them. Like, nobody needs a foreign language film available the week after it loses the Oscar. Nobody does. It, it loses 80% of its, of its relevance and interest in that moment. But we did watch everything. So a, as we go through this list, we're going to give our, uh, our our picks for what we think should have won. But I do want to, to, to talk because I, I haven't talked to Noah about what happened in the award show. And I have yes. very strong feelings about it. All right. uh, so what? Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I was just saying in general, right? Like, all right, let's get into it. Where do you want to get into go? it? Where do you want to overall, start? Overall, without getting into like sp- specific moments, what did you think of the show? Just a blanket statement. I, oh God, I, it's hard to get an overall because I thought it was kind of uh, impressive and frustrating in equal parts. Mm. I, I, I really, I really think that it felt very well produced and like it did it didn't feel like a cobbled together uh sort of like rustic uh you know we're all we're all on zoom daniel kaluuya's audio doesn't work sure. kind of thing like it felt like a real tv show uh in a way that i thought worked really well i also thought just the small the small like covid necessary space mm-hmm. not being in the big theater but sort of in a yeah. uh, in a train station as they were i thought that worked really well mm. Uh, to just sort of personalize the thing a little bit. Okay, sure. I I thought, th- but on the on the flip side, I thought this year more than ever, their tendency to not play like little clips and vignettes oh, and montages. We'll discuss. Yes, was bad because nobody's seen the movies really sure. like we like you and i we've seen all the movies yes. so i didn't i didn't miss you know like clips from ma rainey's black bottom right. or emma or whatever i i know i know the makeup and hairstyling is good in them but your average viewer few of them though there were they haven't seen a lot of this shit yeah so like let's let's meet them in the middle you know yeah yeah, I can't imagine. You know, I was talking to my dad, who has seen, I think, none of these movies. I, uh, in fact, I'm sure of it. And like, how how is he supposed to get into the show? Mm. Mm-hmm. So I found that annoying. Sure, sure. Uh, what about you? I thought it was awful. Oh wow, awful. I I didn't really realize it till the end, but the word I kept using was shit show. Um, Interesting. And I I wanted to preface this as I did by saying I love the Academy. You know, Noah and I are like we we've been doing these recap. This is also, by the way, the seventh annual Pi Academy Awards. This segment, but we we've been recapping the Oscars for seven years on recorded medium, and every year it seems we exit the award show going, I think that was pretty good. I liked this and this, and then the uh-huh. next day the reviews are that was horrible. What a dog shit thing. And we're like, what? I don't get it. This is the one time where I really was like, no, I understand this. It was bad. So, you know, you were mentioning the the smaller space. I thought the whole thing was claustrophobic. I thought the camera guys didn't know how to navigate around that room to to film the the nominees who we don't know while they said backstories. I thought that the image of somebody not being handed an Oscar instead just it on a shelf and them not even grabbing it half the time. Um, the, 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 you know, the person saying congratulations, like, again, everyone has been tested thoroughly, right? 
Yeah. There's a rule where we don't have to take we they can have their masks off and they got that because they said this was like a movie. That's why it was filmed in the aspect ratio and all this kind of shit. Um sure. that's how they got around that. So have have Renee Zellweger hand Francis McDormand an Oscar. Have these people pass it off, have them hold it. That's part of the show. I missed the large stage. I, there's no reason why this couldn't be done at the Dolby. There's no reason why it couldn't have been done at the Hollywood Bowl, this outdoor arena. I mean, I thought it was claustrophobic. It seemed very impersonal to me. I completely agree about the – I have a whole list of things I want to talk about. But I, I do agree about them not showing clips. It immediately – first of all, if you want to do you know, the whole like let's give a little history about where they started from, that's great. But I would also think that maybe save that for the winner and as they're walking upstage, have someone announce that. You know what I mean? Where they, they win and the music's playing and they go, yeah. this person worked at a blockbuster when they were 14. And like now they're getting an Oscar. Isn't that fucking crazy? And instead, show us examples. Uh, general audiences do not know what the cinematography of Manx looked like. So show us clips that's part of the fun of it and the cl- oh my god i'm gonna pull up my list and the clips that they showed for the for the for the for the the ones that they did i mean quite they showed quite a the- few of them were the end of the movie i ahmad how many times did i say to you and karen well that's that's the end of the movie this is the end of the movie yeah that's the end of the movie i mean all of them were at the end of the movie but the best picture clips they showed the promising woman spit scene yeah yeah, that was they, odd. They showed the Mank getting his pants removed when he's drunk. Who the fuck picked these out? <laughs> this is your representation. This is the best movie of the year. Take a look at this. And he's like, well, I don't know. She's like, <laughs> hookers in, in the hotel room. He's like, that's, that's what we're, it was mind boggling. The, the, the choice to not show the clips. And, you know, I was reading an interview with one of the producers, by the way, though the fucking answers they gave just for like the reasoning for their shit. But he had said, um, well, you know, we looked at it and those clip packages, they're a real big time uh, uh, user. They says take a lot of time. Who cares? You know what else takes a lot of time? Reading a paragraph about every nominee and having the camera go and find them when they don't want to be on camera. <laughs> Several yeah. of them looked flabbergasted by having a camera right in their face. Um I thought that was awful. I thought that, uh, you know, there was, the, we'll get to the speech when we get to the winners. I thought Tyler Perry gave a great speech. Odd that they had two humanitarian awards speeches, but we couldn't be bothered to have the songs. The songs need to be in the show. This is a celebration of cinema. This is a celebration of movies. And in this whole year where the movie industry was in question, and now suddenly the box office is coming back to life. Summer movies are coming out. I mean, the, the 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 commercials during the show were peppered with like, you know, big movies are back. Frances McDormand was the only one to mention going to a theater. And for, for an Oscar ceremony that's Hollywood's biggest night, this should have been a rousing celebration of, of theaters, of movies, of the industry. We survived it and we're back. Like this should have been a huge thing. This should have been a party, and it felt so stilted. Nomin- people in the audience weren't clapping, Noah, after nominees were announced. Did you notice that? I did. I mean, uh, what is going on here? You have all have seen award shows, right? Clap when they say who's nominated. This is this is so easy. I thought the camera work was shaky. Um, the There was no clip packages. I, just tr- I honestly will never not understand the no clip packages. I don't think it had any spirit or a point of view. You know, most of them have like these silly uh, uh, 
almost themes where it's like we're celebrating you know the musical like the 50 you know 100 year anniversary of this sure but you know the the poppin stance and the and the grandeur of these award shows that's what we're looking for no one the oscars aren't fooling anybody that this is an insane endeavor and it runs too long and it's a pat on the back lean into it it's camp that's why we like this you know what i mean saving time because no one's not going to watch the oscars because it's it's you know no one's watching the oscars because it's only three hours now instead of three and a half Part of the yeah. fun is the next day going, oh boy, did that roll? Is, is, are the Oscars still on? I think that was six hours long. Like that's part of the fun of it. Um, if the if the Oscars are going to truly like get shorter, they need to completely redo the show, and they need to move. Frankly, they need to move like half of the awards to the uh, what is it? The Governor's Ball? Yeah, the um, pre the pre show award show. Yeah, well, no, it's called the uh, like the technical Oscars or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. We because like you just you can't do you can't do a short show where there's like forty minutes in the middle of it where like we need to do all the shorts and we need to do uh, you know costuming and makeup. I uh, like the those thing those things are mutually exclusive. You can you can't get through them quickly. So no. either just have a long show or get, get rid of them, which feels like a, it feels like a rough suggestion at a, you know, the show's supposed to be about celebrating the, uh, the, the whole of movie and stuff. Yeah. And so to just focus on like the above the line stuff does a real disservice to all the below the line people. But they just they can't be part of a short streamlined award show. No, there, there isn't one. And when you try to do it, it's rushed. You're in memoriam is rushed. I mean, that was it was the fastest thing you've ever seen. And and this was an enormous year for loss of so many people died that we recognize. Like more people yeah. than ever died who I knew who they were. And so the idea to have it then be like a two minute montage is yeah. criminal. I mean, this is crazy. I think the in memoriam every year is kind of a nice little microcosm of one of my frustrations with the Oscars to stay on the like above the line, below the line thing mm-hmm. is that the Oscar, the Oscars want to have you believe that like I, every one of these awards is equally as important. You know, we, I'm, I'm sure if you asked any Oscar producer for the past 15 years, they would say like, we, we can't possibly move best production design to the technical awards because that production design is just as important as the lead performance, et cetera. There are no main events. And as we know, lead uh, performance is clearly the most important award. Right. Uh, but at the same time, like, and they, they would say that they would say that of the in memoriam, like, you know, the famous actors are not more important than the, uh, you know, the like, technical like the, people from the sixties yeah, right. that no one has ever heard of. Right. But the in memoriam at the same time always has a clear main event. It starts off with famous people and then it ends with famous people. Yeah. And you can't get around that. Like Chadwick Boseman is not going to be in the middle of the in memoriam. He's right. not going to get half a second. He's going to get three seconds. There's, and well, in, in, just, y- in yesterday's case of second and a half instead of half yeah, a but second. It, it just it feel it always feels frustrating that we're trying to simultaneously pretend that some of these things are not like yeah more exciting than others 
while also they just clearly are and we're treating them that way anyway. You know, so much of the in memoriam is also just seeing the clips, remembering their greatness. And it's it's about honoring it. Just showing a still yeah. image for a second is not honoring it. But showing, you know, Chadwick doing the Wakanda Forever or uh Carl Reiner doing a comedy bit with Mel Brooks, like that's that's the honoring. That's the remembrance. It's not just a still photo that you got off Google Images. I thought that was a tra- it was way too fast uh, train wreck. But do you know what I mean by like it seemed to ha- I I think that what they did with COVID is pretty remarkable. I mean, they they gamed the system, right? They 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 filed it as a show, a motion picture so that people didn't have to have masks on and shit, which is fine because again, everyone was tested in quarantine. <laughs> this wasn't like what are you doing tomorrow come to the show. Um but I think that what they did in, in regard to this was incredible. I thought that if you were in the room, that setup must have been a huge relief. And like, this almost feels normal. To me, it yeah. felt tiny. It felt minuscule. I, I you know, and I, this is all learning curve. So like, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to harp the, the camera guys too much for just like not being weirded out by like not being weirded out, but just being difficult to move around like these tables and who do I go to here? But it felt like it was the first run through of this, and I know it wasn't. Um, I think the music choice was wrong. I think that the uh, the not showing clips is inexcusable. I mean, it wasn't the Oscars last night. It wasn't. I I agree and don't. I first of all, I completely disagree about the music. I thought Questlove did a great job, and several times I found myself going like this. This, no. fe- this feels way more fresh and modern than it ever has. No, by the music, I mean not having the songs. Okay. That's what I, I mean. By having the original songs performed, taped in the pre-show. Uh-huh. If, if you need them to be taped, then show then show them during the show taped. That's fine yeah. if you don't want to play them Or, again, live. cut the category. But uh, yeah. if you're going to nominate songs, play them. That's part of the celebration. Questlove did a great job. I, I'm not. I'm not yeah. saying the music during the show. I'm saying not having what music they didn't. have. I gotcha. I. I just. I. I don't feel the same way about the side. Like I do agree that it felt small. I thought that was good. I thought. I thought it was interesting after so many years of like. I mean, every year it's just it's in one big theater or another. It's been in the Dolby since 2002. They said. Uh, uh, yeah, and, probably that sounds right. And we'll be back again next year. Which, and so which I've, then, I've never really, which I've then, never really thought of any possibility of other than like this is in a big theater with a thousand people and they're all looking at this stage. But seeing it in a different environment, I thought was like just kind of refreshing and interesting. I thought the smallness of it kind of made them all feel a little more like people than like the the big Hollywood elite, if you'll excuse the term that I didn't mean to say until I did, uh, that they are. And so that just, that just kind of, that kind of worked for me. I like, I liked when, uh, when they were doing supporting actor and there was a shot, there was a shot of Daniel Kaluuya and Laura Dern's like reading her, uh, her thanks to yeah, Daniel and, and he was like and looking they, over. Then they realize that, wait, Laura Dern is right there. So they pan a little and there she is. I was like, oh, that's cool. This sure. is like, that was great. It does harken back to the first few Academy Awards, which weren't televised. Obviously, it was in the 30s, uh, but were held at a hotel. It was a luncheon, the first few. Yeah. So I understand the feel for let's make it a lounge. Let's make it, let's harken back to where it started. 
kind of thick, but it just it didn't feel the same. And I just felt like the 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 show had no swagger. I thought the show had no charisma or pizzazz at all. And that's where you come. You come for the glitz and glamour. This had none of it. It all felt stilted. People weren't clapping. This just felt like a downer of an award show. Um, I also want to talk about uh, <laughs> the, uh, oh, I talked about the immemorial. Um, the random comedy bit. Let's talk about it. So Lil, yes. Ro- Lil Ro Howery and Adriana yes. Bois hosted the pre-show that aired an hour and a half before aired at five thirty to, to seven before the show that had the songs during it. And they were basically in like the patio area in grand central interviewing people and then throwing it to the songs that they would show the performance of. So that that's where he, it wasn't just random. He had done that earlier in the night, yeah. but I did find it in whatever I thought of the comedy bit, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. It's insane that you don't have a host and you don't have this be of that kind of show. And then you have one single comedy bit. That's it. That's a crazy choice. Like if you're going to do that, have a couple, don't just wait till 15 minutes for the end of the show and go. And here's a joke. Like what, what do you mean? We haven't done this all evening. Why are you doing it yeah. now? To, uh, to paraphrase David Fincher when they were talking, I, I forget if this was during like cinematography or editing or whatever, but they had a little quote from David Fincher that, uh, you know, there's a million ways to shoot a scene, Mm-mm. but in the end, there's only two ways and one of them is wrong. Right. Uh, there's a million reactions to uh, the comedy bit. Yeah. But in the end, there's only two possible reactions. You should have more comedy bits or you should have no comedy. Exactly. Bits, and one exactly. of them is wrong. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, okay, also, I love that David Fincher quote because he's notorious for doing 18,000 no, takes incredible. of a scene. It was, it was, it was a There's only two the ways to shoot a scene and every person who's been <laughs> yeah, in this movie is like, really, is- motherfucker? There's only two of them? Because we were on that take for an hour and a half. Um, yeah. Well, they, they did. all. They, every other take was the wrong way, I guess. Uh, what did you think of it overall, though? What did, how did you think the, Lorel did? I mean, it was, te- it was it was terrible. I knew you would. Every... Every single year, the biggest consensus around the Oscars is that the little bit they do, their little gag, their little routine is dog shit. And they keep coming back and they're like, but wait, I've got, I've got a new idea. It's a, it's the Mike Birbiglia bit about Kenny G's like, oh, that song sucked. But what about this one? They go, Kenny, it's the same song. They were. It's the same bullshit. Every year, stop doing it. First of all, that's not true. There have been some bits that have worked, but that is a big takeaway is like the big comedy bit. Even though in the moment we, I remember liking the Jimmy Kimmel walking across the street to the Disney movie thing. I remember liking that at the time. I, was, I remember liking the selfie. Was, we re took, we re enacted the selfie with our Oscar watch party. Yeah, that, sure. That, it's that, a big hit on Facebook, you know, uh, yeah. um, but this felt so out of place and insane and it felt stilted when it got, I mean, when, it, when, when, when Glenn Close started speaking, I kept saying, this is scripted. Yeah, that's scripted. She knows too much. Apparently her dancing wasn't scripted. They didn't expect her to do that. And that was okay. great. Cause you could tell like the reaction of Daniel Kaluuya and the table was just ecstatic. Like it was, th- that was fun. But the whole premise, especially doing three and leading to a joke was strange. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think they really shot themselves in the foot at the beginning 
when he goes to Andrew Day and they play Purple Rain and he's like, what do you think? And she's like, well, the Academy wouldn't fucking nominate that because they fucking suck. And then it was like, well, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, like, that's true. But just, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in this moment anymore. Cause now, cause now this is a segment about why the Academy sucks. Also Kaluuya, like not knowing the song and then like yeah. Lil Rel going, well, it won him being like, okay. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Like, he was very he was, bad. He was very, you know, they, they especially because it's strange because they had a, he pre-interviewed him and the, he interviewed him in the pre-show. And the first few minutes was them just being like, this is, how great is it? Like, we're both, like, they were just joking around about how they were in the, not how about, not like in this where he was like, I saved you in that movie. They were just yeah. talking about, we haven't seen each other in a while. Isn't this crazy? And I was like, that's great. This is lovely. Sure. Um McDormand mentioned karaoke and one of the producers said that was an early pitch that they'd be selling with karaoke and thinking about now, wouldn't it be great if during commercials they had someone go up and do it. And then as they came in from the break, that person was like finishing an Oscar song doing karaoke and shit. And then everyone's singing along and then they go back to their seat. Like if you're going to do it, you need to have something throughout having, (laughs) I can't believe it was a three hour and like 15 minute show. And at the three hour mark, they were like, okay, so here's our comedy bit. <laughs> what? It was, that was, it, it blew me away um, that, that they wild. suddenly called in Lil Rel to do a routine. So the order of the awards, and I'm not even yeah. talking about the end, which we'll get to, but and I just, I'm really mad thinking about this interview. The The producer's like, well, we wanted to switch it up because, you know, people watch this and their eyes glaze over and they're like, I've seen this before, but now you don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, what? Because you have best director in the middle of the show? No, that just makes me angry. That isn't, that's not me. That's not me being like, oh, what is this? How delightful. I said to Amon Karen several times, like, why are they doing this early? And then I cannot tell you when Rita Moreno came out and it said best picture behind her. Yeah. I, I felt like... I, I sent this to, uh, to 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 Jamie Jarak on Instagram. I was like, I feel like I'm in the father. Like I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know where I am. What's going on? Here are these people. Here is my pitch, uh, for n- not ending with best picture. Okay. And in in reality, this did not end up going well because again, right, right, Anthony right. Hopkins was not present, and the show was over. But here's the problem with Best Picture every year. We do, especially following the actor, actress, director as it does, we do a bunch of awards celebrating not only movies, but people that we know. Right. And when, uh, you know, when Bong Joon Ho wins for Best Director, we're like, oh shit, Parasite won Best Director. And here's the director of Parasite to give a speech. And that's very exciting. Uh, when Francis McDormand wins again, we want to see Francis McDormand's speech. Right. When the movie wins, the award is accepted in ninety percent of cases by a bunch of producers yeah. that we've never heard of and never will hear of again. And that has always been very bad TV, because this this final this main event speech is given by some asshole. So the instinct to close on an award, which is where a speech will be given by a person who we all know and are rooting for, I think is a good one. And I even think in a vacuum, the decision this year to close with best actor 
which we've mentioned many times, even as is, is one of the better lineups of best actor. This is an incredibly strong heavyweight category. Yeah, if, if Delroy Lindo was in instead of Oldman, because Delroy gave the best performance of the year, it would be. I, it would be maybe. It, it would be in the conversation for best of all time. It. It's. This is what I'm saying. It still might be. The. It's so I mean, rare maybe. for a category to go five for, for Gary Oldman. First of all, Gary Oldman was good in Mank. He wasn't Delroy Lindo in the Five Bloods. Uh, all right. Good. Yeah, you're. <laughs> you're you're doing the exact same thing Oldman did. That's good. Uh, now Oldman was good in Mank, and regardless, he was good the, in Mank. Yeah. This this is a this is a this is a lineup of at least four absolutely top tier performances this year, which you can rarely say about any of the categories. I don't think you could say about Best Actress this year. Uh, mm. And so, like, I I think I think it works as a theoretical main event. Yeah. They just, you know. And like, send just send a camera crew to Anthony Hopkins. If Anthony Hopkins is willing to be on Zoom, yeah. If he's if he's like, I'll be there, but I'm staying at home because yeah. I'm in Wales in '83. Then hire some guy in England to go to his house in case he wins, and you can be like, Ah, look, it's in an aspect ratio. Fine, don't do it on Zoom. I think that was a good call. <laughs> But prepare for the for the possibility that someone other than Chadwick might win. So is I, my only note. Okay, so back to the best picture thing. The yeah, I I agree that it is a little anticlimactic when it's some asshole giving the speech and the cast is just congratulating themselves behind him, and you're like, well, I know those people. It's good they're happy. But it is the best picture of the year. It is the top tier. Uh, category the one that we're all waiting for the one that is going to go down in history the most the best picture it needs to be last it's it's been last the last time that it wasn't was in 1972 when charlie chaplin received the lifetime achievement award to close the show that warrants it and that leads me to think that if we did want somebody noah first of all where's the lifetime achievement award for it's okay second of all what if we did end it on the lifetime achievement award and so instead of you know a producer it's best picture and then it's Paul Newman, or then it's Rita Moreno getting her, you know, an Oscar in a moment in the sun. But uh-huh. some of the earlier best pictures also didn't have some of the earlier Oscars also didn't have best picture last. Uh, became a thing in the forties or the sixties, something like that. But um, it is how you close the show. I just more mean like the producer. It's it's absolutely indefensible to not have it last in. But the producer saying we did it because your eyes glaze over because you say, I've seen this before, and so we want to switch it up, that's not interesting to anybody. Nobody's watching it going, well, let's see. We usually do the, the supportings early, usually a screenplay. I know directors late. Like they, they, It's not how this works. That's not adding intrigue or any interest in the show to confuse people. I mean, like director coming in the middle is just – it almost devalues the award because then they sit down – and we're not talking about the top, this top tier award anymore. Like Chloe Zhao, the second woman to win, the first woman of color to win this award is just like she at halfway mark and then, you know, sit down for a while. Maybe we'll get up again. That again, it's a celebration. It's a, the show is also a progression. No, it progresses to these top tier awards, having them scattered around is nuts. You, you can put the supporting and the screenplays wherever you want. You usually put those at the beginning of the show. That way, like Brad Pitt gets up in the first half hour and people are like, Oh, well I just saw Brad Pitt. I'll keep watching. But after that, 
there is a system to this and it's part of the legacy of the show. And you, in my opinion, you don't fuck with that. I also want to talk about there. Go ahead. This again, comes back to the fact that there's just too many awards. I think because you can't, you can't shake up the thing. If like doing, doing director early does briefly shake up the award show. It does make at least me sit up and go, huh? But then there's still 40 minutes of the lesser awards to follow. And the documentary short is after that. And you're like, Oh, well, yeah. And like the, just the, the, the momentum cannot be maintained because, because people have no idea when best international feature happens. Right. It's so you can't be like, Oh wow, they're doing this early. There's only like three awards you can do. If there, if this was an award show, where it was, they gave out like ten of them. If it was picture, director, the actings, the screenplays, and then like a couple more, then I think you could do them in basically any order. I would be on board with identifying the race that is the heavyweight one this year and closing with it. But it just as is like it's a it's a brief pop but then you're just back to the rest of the show. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. The, um, also an Academy tradition is the winner of the cat. That category will give the Oscar the following year to the, uh, opposite gender. So the best supporting actor gives it to the best supporting actress, the best supporting uh-huh. actress of that year gives it to the best supporting actor next year. And that happened except for actor and actress. Renee yeah. Zellweger gave it to Francis McDormand and Joaquin Phoenix collected it for himself. I don't understand the purpose of that. What did that do? Why was that decision? That was, that was just a, a moment where I stopped and I said, what is the gain in this? Cause it's not to keep us on our toes. What the fuck was the point of yeah. that? I, I would, I would equally say that I don't think anything was lost there by not doing that. I think, like I, I didn't, I didn't even really notice that that had happened until you brought it up just now, and that that is that is a break from tradition, but like I, I don't know, that doesn't that didn't bother me. Listen, this is the, that, you know, this has been around for ninety three years. I mean, it it's just part of it. It's it's the reason why, you know, it's the same as like. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of like a presidential inauguration, like like the 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 exiting president you know they have a meeting he leaves on the helicopter waves goodbye like that's just part of it he could go in a car he could take a plane but it's the helicopter that takes him to the airport or whatever that's just how it is and that's just how this is it's one handing off to the other it's just a nice opportunity it's a nice moment i you know it 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 gets us uh um uh uh uh, yun doing uh flirting with brad pitt you know what I mean? It gets us those kind of moments. It's just great. Um, sure. I, th- I, th- I just, I'm just saying like, I, I think there's, there's the exact same case could be made that it is, uh, you know, the reigning champion passing the torch to the new one. This is Renee Zellweger saying I was the best actress and now you are congratulations. I mean, that's fine. I, you know what? Here's what I will say. If you do want to change it to the actor gives the actor, I guess that's fine because it is a turning of the cap. But don't have the mixed in the show. Don't have the supportings do the opposite and the leads do the, the same. That 
let's keep it consistent. Um, so many people almost tripped. There were no stagehands to help them up. I mean, uh, Yoon Yoon Jung almost tripped getting up and Brad Pitt was like, oh, I, should I help? Of course you should help her. <laughs> people need to help these people up these stairs. Anyway, um, uh, uh, let, let's get, I, I thought, I thought it was really, really bad. It was the first year that I really was like, that was a lot wrong with that. I was very angry. Uh, let's get into these awards. So, uh, I'm not going to read the nominees cause who has time for that? So we'll just go, uh, down. Let's, let's do the shorts first. Cause you know, people don't know those even less, uh, documentary short went to Colette. That was surprising. Um, to me, yeah, uh, this is, I'll, I'll also say before we start doing this, that I have no handle on like who was supposed to win most of these i don't either but i will do so, my best okay. to fill you in on what i know but i do know from twitter's reaction that that was a surprise um and i mean i think that might have been my least of that that was that that, that, that might have been my four what would you have picked instead of colette i would have picked a love song for latasha i think yeah and that uh, was my it, number two and i, would I thought it did with- it did the most interesting thing with the form, you know, I forget sure. who presented the shorts, but, uh, uh, one of the, one of the presenters had a comment, like, you know, if a, if a feature film is a novel, then a short film is like a poem. Uh, and that really kind of colored my, the way I looked right. at all the shorts and the nominees, uh, which we'll talk about more when we do live action. But like, I thought love song for Latasha did, did the most to be like a little, a little interesting snapshot. Yeah, I agree. It, it would be my number two. I also recommend do not split. Cause that's just an interesting, you know, subject. Mine would have go, gone to a concerto as a conversation. I do have a question uh, before we move on. What did you think of the people are harping on the fact that they didn't cut any speeches off? I know you're a big, don't cut the speeches off. What did you think as they were able to just talk and talk? I, th- I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I also thought that like there were, there were times when it, it just kind of made me feel in my heart, like, Oh God, the show's going long now. I know. And I, I also think part of it I is think people are so used to that music coming in that they don't know if how they should end it. And it does, it does almost argue a case yeah. that like there should be something eventually just to kind of tell the person who's just might be, you know, who knows is going through their minds. They just won an Oscar. It's fucking wild. You know what I mean? So they may just not even realize how long they're going. I think I think after a few I think this is, they should try this for a few years. Yeah. And my hope is that after a few years a sort of social contract would build itself where like listen we're not going to cut you off but right you know the honor system re- rein yourself in please. There are also more than a few times and I don't even know if those in London were able to give a speech but there are a few times where people even on stage hogged the microphone and didn't let anybody else talk. And we were talking amongst ourselves watching it. Like, I wonder if they, you know, signaled out somebody to do it. I think, I think, I think they did because, you know, we'll, we're not doing animated feature now, but when they were doing that, Pete doctor briefly seated the stage to Dana Murray. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'm not allowed to speak, but here is, here's what I have to say. (laughs) It's like, you're not allowed to speak. Yeah. I wonder why that would be. Good Lord. I don't know. Maybe talking on the microphone being close. I don't know. Um, Best live action short. So the winner was two distant strangers. Uh, um, uh, Trayvon free becomes the first black winner of that category. Uh, and I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I don't hate it. It clearly had the star power behind it with its producers. Um, yeah. I, 
what I'll say about Two Distant Strangers is that I don't think it worked pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was the only one of these movies that tried to it tr- it tried to work within its medium of short film, right? And do and do something interesting instead of just being like a a short film that didn't adjust itself at all. I feel like you know these were so all good for them for swinging at least. These were all pretty mediocre uh, throughout. I think I might have given it to Feeling Through just because it had a more interesting subject matter as far as the first deaf blind person to star in a movie it was yeah. just interesting to watch. Um, but uh, a lot of tall winners as well. Uh, very tall people won a bunch of these. Okay, best animated short. If any, speaking of tall, uh, Will McCormick is huge. If anything happens, I love you. No one I's least favorite out of these. Yeah, that movie's um, bullshit. Had the had, I kept saying that too. Had the backing of Laura Dern, and uh, Will McCormick is a writer and an actor, so he knows people as well, and so that's why this one. Uh, this is this is why I was I actually was surprised that a concerto as a conversation did not win because that was the short film that was about the yes. big successful uh, Hollywood composer. Yeah. And I, it really just seemed like, all right, the famous ones are winning. Good. Good for you for working on fucking uh, Billy holiday. Um, but uh, my pick would have been opera out of this. Yeah. O- opera, opera or yes. People I would have been. Fine yeah. With. Th- those were the two, but opera was just like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> this is terrific. Um, best documentary feature, my octopus teacher won. And I was saying this while, uh, you know, Crip camp would have been my choice in my top 10 time would have been your choice in your top 10. We both really liked the, we both really liked collective my octopus teacher. I mean, people just fell in love with this movie, Noah. Yeah. My octopus teacher is terrible and I don't understand what's wrong with everybody. I mean, I do, I do understand what's wrong with them. So they look at this movie and they say things like, I mean, if a man can make friends with an octopus, I, anything is no, possible. What does that say? I, that is the, my last note on my Oscar <laughs> note is the quote, if a man can, the, this motherfucker ended his speech by going, and if a man can form a friendship with an octopus, anything is possible. And I, and, uh, I think yeah. while watching it, I went, what is what? What are you, what are you talking <laughs> I was, about? I was, uh, when this award was announced, I was booing alone in my <laughs> living room this afternoon. Uh, and when, so yeah, I, I don't get it. Three of these movies were outstanding and the mole agent was fine. Yeah. And then Macho Citra was garbage, but that was a stunning quote. Like, is that the most impossible thing you can think of? <laughs> People are friends with animals all the time. Let me, let me direct you to twitter.com. There's a, lot, uh, there's a lot of gifs of dogs. Uh, best animated feature, Soul wins. Pete Doctor uh, gets another. I'm going to look up how many he has now yeah. um, because it must be a lot. He's the head of Pixar currently. You uh, know what I find frustrating? Okay, what? Uh, this is his this third, is, by the way. He won for Up and Inside Out. This is this is an unfortunate year for this thought to really like hammer home in me because I enjoyed Soul quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, more than more than you did. I thought I thought it was really good and is a in a vacuum deserving winner of this category. But as the years go on, I'm really just kind of taken with I, I think just the lack of respect that the Academy clearly has for this category. I uh, because it's just it's always Pixar. It's always gonna be Pixar. More if they, often if they than had, not, yes, it is Pixar. 
unless it's one of those movies where they're or one of those years where their best movie is like the good dinosaur or something. Oh, I mean, listen, two years ago, the Academy broke rank Incredibles two lost to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, exactly. And Incredibles two wasn't good. And well, Spider-Verse was. that's, that's a, that's a minority opinion. though. everybody loves Incredibles two, except for us. Well, that's fine. Uh, again, if a man can make friends with an octopus, if Incredibles can have a sequel, anything can happen. Uh, but when there's a good Pixar movie, it's just, it's not, it's, there's never a question. There's never a conversation. Right. It's just, and it's, it's really frustrating to me because Wolf Walkers was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Wolf Walkers would have been my pick um, and, as well. And I don't, I don't think anyone involved even gave it thought of just like, well, Probably you know, not. there's a good Pixar movie, so that's just it. Probably not. I was saying it yesterday that I uh, I wonder if it was because I was in the throes of COVID without knowing I had it, that yeah. it just like tainted my view. Remember when uh, I told you on Christmas I watched both Raid movies and I, they were like exhausting? Yeah. Remember I was like, I don't know what it was, but like I was just like, oh God, I can't like concentrate. Perhaps well, it's it was because I, I, I had COVID-19 probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was fatigued. So I had watched, you know, Soul the night before on Christmas. Uh, on, no, I think I watched it that night. That was my Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was just like out of it and just like, I don't know, this is a lot for me, man. So I, I do think I would have liked it more in a theater but, and probably a rewatch would help. But uh, yeah. it's just, it's just so boring. There's never, there's never an option. Can you imagine if in the best picture race, just like every year it was like, well, David Fincher made another movie, so he's going to get it. Like there's so, there's so many people making so many good movies. Yeah. Uh, Like, come on. I'm, I'm over it. Uh, Best international, (laughs) best international feature. Another round from Denmark announced today. That um, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company bought the rights to the to a remake, and he may star in it. Okay, so how about that? Uh, director uh, Thomas Vinterberg, great! What a great speech he gave, huh? That was a very good speech. Very, hard, very, hard left very, turn in the middle of it. Yeah, but. very, very touching tribute to his daughter. I also, I also, also like the way he danced on stage at the beginning. Yeah, he he had a great joke at the beginning too. I um. And then he, he really ended it with this beautiful thing. And then they cut to whoever the presenter was and they were just like, Oh, uh, okay. Our next award. Yeah. Um, but this is, a, this is a truly the magic of a film is found in its editing. I guess this is, this is a good choice. I know this would have been yours. Mine would have been the collective, but this is number two. So I, I yes. don't feel bad. This is a nice quite good feature. And we all knew this was going to win. No, I mean, he has, he has the, the best director nomination. That's huge. That's true. That shows broad support. Um, All right. Let's move down to best original score. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross get their second Oscars. You know, they only have two. I feel like they've been nominated 80 times, but this is their second after the social network. And John Batiste gets his first. He becomes only the second black composer to win original score for soul. The uh, first uh, cast member of the Colbert show. So what do you th- so what do you think you 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 listen to snippets of these? Uh, yeah. What are you giving it to? My pick would have been Mank. Interesting. So I'm uh, I'll take uh, Reznor and Ross winning anyway, and yeah. I thought Soul was quite good. I what, what did you think <clears throat> of the other ones? I news of the world. I don't get. I mean, it's nothing. But it was super. Right. It was super bland. Yeah. Uh, that feel it could have been like the placeholder score for like a western and a cartoon. Yeah. 
Uh, all the others were quite good. I think I, I think I would have gone Mank, Minari, Soul, Five Bloods in that order, but um, would have been happy with any of them. Yeah, Minari was my number one. Uh, I did like Mank was either my two or three with Soul. I don't, or maybe Defy. I don't really remember how that shook out. But what I liked about Mank was they only used period appropriate instruments to make the music for Mank, which is really okay. cool. Um, which I liked. Uh, best original song, "Fight for You" from Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, music by DeMille and her lyric by her and Tierra Thomas. Her got an Oscar. How great was that? What a good speech she gave. Yeah, that was nice. I like that. It's a good I, song. It would have been our choice. And uh, yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed how happy she was. And her speech was really good. The problem with this category so often Boy. is that, you know, I, Zendaya gave in her like intro to this. She's like, you know, every the, the best song from a movie every year just becomes part of the culture and we can never separate it uh, from that movie when we listen back to it. Did she only read up and, until the 90s? Yeah. Well, I mean, even like that happened in uh, that happened in fucking A Star is Born. Jai Ho. Uh, as, as of a few years ago. Jai but, Ho, Into the West. Classic. Yeah, for, every, for, every, for every year that there's a... a that there's a star is born or there's a, uh, my heart will go on from Titanic. Mm-hmm. There's this year where like fight for you is a good song. The rest of them I think are pretty bad. Uh, I like who's a lot and speak now is decent enough. I, uh, but like fight, no fight, fight for you is not going to become part of the culture Zendaya. Well, it's, you know, for me, it's like, I, it's, that, it's that song is such a single to me. Like, it doesn't feel like it's from Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. So like, it's not going to, when I hear that song, I'm not going to go, oh, this is the Judas and the Black Messiah song. I'm going to go, oh, this is the good her yeah, song. Yeah, it's like, oh, this song's kind of funky. Yeah. But um, it, this is, this is another category we've, we've talked about this many times, just needs a right. complete revamp because I, I don't care that Fight For You won. It's a good song. It's not like a movie moment in the way that a best original song could be. I agree. We got to do something. Some past nominees uh, for me, Noah, that did not get chosen, obviously, because I'm not a member of the Academy. I wonder what you think of them. Um, What about, uh, I just need to find them here. What about uh, Hearts Beat Loud from Hearts Beat Loud? I, oh, right. Yes, that was good. From the uh, the Nick Offerman movie. What about movie. what about the remix of "I Got Five on It" from Us? How integral yeah. was that to the story? That should have been in there. Perfectly integral. Um, it's my turn from Dope. Yeah, really, any of the yeah. Dope songs. Uh, I'm I'm so humble from a uh, uh, pop star. Drive like drive it like you stole it from. C- I mean, there are good songs out there. They just gotta find them. Is the problem? Um, best sound. Uh, we all knew where this was going. Sound of Metal, and I think uh, one of the more well-deserved wins of the evening. I agree. That Terrific. Worked, uh, would have been our, would have been our choice. For as well. Yes, and uh, we'll move into the... Uh, uh, well, let's do Best Production Design. Mank. Surprising choice, Mank. I don't know. Well, actually, I'm not so sure. I think it was between this and, like, Ma Rainey's, maybe. But I, I, I actually, you know what? I'm wrong. I think Mank was the favorite here. This was, like, the one Mank would win. Okay. Um, and Which I, I think makes sense. I like I like Mank here. I think Mank was in my five. My number one for production design was Mank. Yep, there you go. I agree. <laughs> Turns out I agree. Best cinematography. We can, we can a, the a surprise win. That's great. 
Best Cinematography, Surprise Win, Mank, Eric Messerschmidt. Uh, Nomadland was pretty much locked up to win this. Mank was a surprise inclusion. What do you think of Mank? Uh, I think it's really interesting, especially when you look at the nominees that, like, a lot of these are not very, like, big, showy, like, imagery cinematography in the way that Nomadland right. is with all of its uh, its landscapes and its use of the setting sun and stuff. Right. I think the I think the Mank win here is really more a celebration of like just the, the technical composition of, uh, of the images and frames, you know, they're not necessarily like impressive visual works of art as still images, right? but there's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, and so I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a cool uh, and I agree completely unexpected win. Uh, very unexpected. It, it would have been my number two. I would have given it to Nomadland. What about you? Where, where's your vote going here? I, I would have, I would have been happy with Mank, Messiah, and Nomadland. Mm-hmm. I, really, really, this category for me is more that Trial of the Chicago Seven is just a baffling nomination, and News of the World is what I was saying about Nomadland, except like not good. Like it tries to get by on like, we're outside and look at this vast prairie and stuff. But while Nomadland does that in a way that is like still very like impressive and like has a lot of great images, News of the World doesn't. And they're trying to trick you into thinking that they do. So I'm glad that it wasn't them. I probably would have gone Nomadland just because I am a sucker for the setting sun. (laughs) Uh, well, you're a vampire. Best makeup and hairstyling. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Huge win. Terrific speech. Um, uh, Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson are the first black women to win that Oscar. And uh, I thought they gave a really good speech. I agree. This yeah. was uh, this would have been my pick. Me as well. Uh, again, mm-hmm. anything but Hillbilly Elegy would have been just fine. But yeah, Viola told- was real sweaty in this movie, and I assume it was their work. Yes, I don't think they just like sweated her out i think that was partially their doing uh speaking of outrageous black bottom best costume design and roth noah uh becomes the where is that note she is now the oldest woman to win any academy award at 89 years old and wow for the costume designs of ma rainey's black bottom and that would have been my number two pick my number one would have been emma yeah, I would have gone Emma here as well, but Ma Rainey is a uh, close second. Happy with that award. And uh, moving on, film editing, Sound of Metal. Now, this this did make sense. Um, I, I think that this was the favorite going into it as well, and it would have gotten my vote. I, uh, I don't think this is what I said to you the other day, but uh, I changed my mind. I would have gone with The Father here. Interesting. Because I think that that movie is all about being sort of... Uh, confusing and discordant with what's what's going on and what are we what are we cutting to next and they had to balance that sort of uh that sort of confusion that sort of opacity with being a coherent movie which i think must have been very hard and so i would have gone to father terrifically edited would have been a good choice best visual effects tenant which would have gotten my vote yes they crashed a plane into a building and god bless them I more meant for me, it's more the mashing of like the backwards and the forwards fight scenes, just like also good. You know, as far as that that slowly rolling a plane that they had bought into a hangar that they'd also bought, that's 
Listen, you can that's, you can you can undersell cool. it as much as you want. It's, no okay. one's ever done I'm it before, sorry. and I'm it was sorry. dope. Are you, are you gonna are you not gonna are you gonna argue that it's not the slowest moving plane you've ever seen slowly <laughs> crashing into a building? I've never seen a plane crash uh, in a movie. <laughs> never seen a plane crash wow. into a building in a movie. Wow, it's a good it's a good catch. I'm not sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure it was quite in time, but that was a good catch. Um, no, it was late. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk about it. Uh, best adapted. <laughs> best adapted screenplay. Surpri- well, not even that surprising. I guess it was between this and uh, Nomadland, but the father, uh, Christopher Hampton, Florian Zeller, based on Zeller's play. Good choice here. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was fun. And that was one of those ones that like, I, I had no idea, but I just assumed that it was supposed to be Nomadland. Because no, Nomadland that, seemed like it was the front runner for a lot of things. No, this was it. The only thing Nomadland was a front runner for and lost was cinematography. This was okay. possible, but the the father, Christopher Hampton's well known. He wrote Dangerous Liaisons, um, and uh, and so people thought that would probably win. So, uh, uh, what would get your pick here? I <clears throat> I think I would go the father. Mm, mine would be Nomadland. Yeah, not a not a hugely strong category for me. Like no, I'm not, and you know what? I'm, I'm not like, even considering Borat, One Night Miami, or The White Tiger here. See, Borat's interesting because I love the nomination, but like it's not a screenplay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like parts of it were scripted, and I think that what made what sells the movie is the emotional relationship between Borat and his daughter, which was scripted. You know what I mean? But so much of it was on its on the fly. Uh, filmmaking that like it's whatever uh, i like one night miami more than you and uh i don't know how you feel with the white tiger we haven't talked about it what do you it think? was fine yeah yeah i found it, it was, entertaining but pretty i, I thought, thought the, the climax of the movie should have been the inciting incident of the movie oh and... o- outside the car and then we learn yeah how that happened sure no 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 i no god not we learn how that happened but that happens okay. within 20 minutes and then the movie is about I see. with the money and becoming like a successful taxi man. Gotcha. And not, and not just sitting there for two hours driving their car being like, I'm going to kill one of these guys and take their money. And then it does. <laughs> like, okay. I like that we were tiptoeing around what happened and then we finished with what happened. Best original screenplay, uh, Emerald Fennel, promising young woman. She becomes the, uh, the last time that a solo woman won the, uh, any screenplay Oscar Noah, Diablo Cody for Juno 14 years ago. So this was, wow. this was a big uh, win for, I thought you gave a delightful speech. Uh, he's so I happy agree. and so cold was a great opening line. Uh, yeah. That was great. It wouldn't be my choice here. I do like the movie more than you. I'm giving the, I would give this to Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. I think I would as well. Uh, but Sound of Metal is a pretty close second for me. Yeah. I, uh, Minari Sound of Metal and Judas would have all been uh, good winners for me. Uh, fun little tidbit about the best original screenplay Oscar. Uh, I assume this is just a problem with uh, on my end because you did not mention this happening. But uh, so I recorded the show on uh, the uh, Hulu with live TV DVR to watch later. And for some reason, uh, in the middle of Regina King's monologue, it suddenly cut to her going and the Oscar goes to Emerald Fennell. Oh, odd. And I was like, hmm, what? Oh, and like, I, I had, and I had like looked down for half a second uh-huh. and I just, 
like, wait a minute. What happened? That's a shame because Regina, Regina King was by far the best performer, uh, uh, presenter of the night. See, I'd go. Uh, I, I thought she was good, but I uh, I wouldn't go by go, far. I'd li- you would I liked the, you would go with Harrison Ford. Yeah, well, I, I <laughs> Harrison Ford. Those uh, gasps when he was like, and then we was Blade Runner. <gasps> well, yeah. Yeah, he said <laughs> Deckard. He said Deckard and the woman's name, and just yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, that was that was odd. Yeah. I th- I thought Harrison Ford uh, both was uh, showing his age, but also uh, well, he several said inch- he, he definitely plays into it. Like he yeah, he, that, that slow talking, that like size yeah. that he does. He he, he definitely yeah. does. It, but, but also like I could still feel it. He's still up there talking. I'm like, yeah, this man's a fucking movie star. <laughs> you? you must be excited oh, for Indiana Jones five. No, uh, really? No, not not even Reese with Phoebe? Phoebe. What yeah. She, I mean, I don't she, think she's the, writing it. I don't think no, she has any control over it being good, but what if they I'm pass? Happy what, for if, what if they pass the whip to her? She's the next she, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Fine. That'd be wild. I'd uh, love, what, what are the betting odds on that in Vegas? Cause I'll, uh, I'll bet they're high. Uh, no, I thought Reese Witherspoon was very good. All of this is to say. Oh, sure. Sure. She's, uh, she's, she's a delight. Um, supporting actress, Yoon Yoon Jung, Noah Minari. Also yeah. a terrific speech. A, uh, a real, a real highlight of the event. Uh, yeah. Her saying, I, I, you know, I don't believe in this. I don't, I don't think, how could I win against Glenn Close and these people? I, I guess I'm lucky. I guess that's what it is. I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm luckier than all of you. I'm luckier yeah, than all nice. of you. It's a great one. Um, somebody asked her backstage, like, what does Brad Pitt smell like? That's so cool. And she was like, smell like? I'm not a dog. I didn't smell him. <laughs> uh, she's the first South Korean actress to win Supporting Actress and only the second actress in history to win Best Supporting Actress. As the second... What Korean actress? Oh, Asian actress. Sorry, I didn't. Asian know actress. Sorry. <laughs> like I don't think that all true. the others have been. You know, like Eddie Murphy in in uh, you know Mrs. Doubtfire. Those those, those performances. Um. Uh, no, she is the uh, the second Asian actress ever to win that award. And uh, Glenn Close is now the most losing actress in Oscar history, with eight losses. Diane Warren nominated for song now zero for twelve. Well, uh, yeah. She shouldn't have done Hillbilly Elegy, I guess. Um, this is this is her penance. Yeah. What what a sport too to be like uh you know, to lose and then go, Oh god, I still have that bit coming. <laughs> yeah, up. I'll do the butt. <laughs> that bit happening later. Yeah. <laughs> uh best She really she really should have just just pulled a left turn and been like, I don't know what this is. Right. I'm a I'm a I'm a grown woman. I don't. I don't know what's happening. Best supporting actor: Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, I oh, sorry. Uh, supporting actress: No. Who would have gotten your vote? Mine uh, would have I, been Yoon Yoo Jung with Maria Bakalova right behind her. I I'm I'm like I'm a dead heat for me between uh, Yoon and Amanda Seyfried. I mm. uh, so I'll great. say I'll say Seyfried just to uh, just to spread the love around. All right. Uh, Kaluuya wins terrific speech. He's the first actor of Ugandan descent to win supporting actor. And the only, this, this is a shocking statistic in 93 years. He is only the seventh black actor to win best supporting actor. That's wild. And I'm pretty sure the first was Denzel Washington in 1990 that, uh, for glory. That makes more sense. Um, but just, 
incredible. But uh, it's it's a good win. I would have voted for Paul Racy, um, but Kaluuya is right behind him for me. It's a great performance. It's 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 a strong choice and what a good speech that's that's the instance where not playing them off works because then yeah. you just let the one who's you know everyone else who's rambling you know he was excited about it he was emotional he was feeling things and it showed and so that i thought was great him saying my parents had sex that's awesome and his mom mouthing like what is he going yeah on what about? does he mean <laughs> what is he going on about now is very I- funny I think the great thing about this award, and it would have been my choice, uh, and no disrespect to Paul Racy, who was incredible, but it would have been my choice by far. Kaluuya's performance in that movie uh, just like shook me. It was so good. But there's so, how many instances can you think of where like a newcomer shows up in a movie, yeah, and you think, holy shit, this person is going to run Hollywood in five years. And then just like they don't they don't do anything. They make one or two bad choices and suddenly they're gone. But Kaluuya is Kaluuya is that kind of actor who showed up in Get Out and we we're all like, holy shit. Kaluuya rules and he's gonna if he doesn't have an Oscar in five years, we riot. And now he fucking does. Like it it finally worked out. He made a number of good choices, uh, one of which was getting paid quite a bit of money to do nothing at all in Black Panther and probably Black Panther too. Oh, I, so I'm I, he'll I be a bigger part of it. He didn't get paid much for Black. He Get Out had not come out yet when he was cast in Black Panther. I okay, then not a ton of money, but I do, I bet the uh, I bet for the Black base Panther rate too, <laughs> the base rate for uh, that kind of role in a Marvel movie, I think, is much higher mm-hmm. than would have been otherwise. I Just, think Dis- I think Disney's a bunch of cheapskates, but I'm hoping maybe. that you're correct. The point is Daniel Kaluuya uh, should have won an Oscar within five years of get out and did. Uh, and and I keep awesome. saying Kalula. No, no. <laughs> what is the alcohol now? I, now I don't Kalua. know. How to, Kalua. That's yeah. what she keeps saying. And I so go, that, is it- you've seen him in like fi- all of his movies you've seen, I think in theaters, is you that, should uh, know his name. Is that where you get it from then? Where I say things wrong? No. Uh, no but it's, it's not, not things, but specifically actors' names. No, the thing with actors' names is that if I don't hear them out loud, I'll just read them quickly in my head. Uh-huh. And so whatever it briefly looks like, that's what they're called from now on. Okay. You know, Malazy Williams. <laughs> yeah. When I read that quickly, I, th- I see an L, and I'm just like, "Well, that's that's what it, that's her name." I'm I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure uh, there's an N in Max von Sydow's name for you. Max von S- von? That, no, I, th- I think you give him like Sindo or something. Max von Sydow, well, maybe Max von Sindo. <laughs> Who's to say? Uh, not me. Um, best actress: Frances McDormand. Nomadland, Noah, her third lead actress win. She is now second only to Catherine Hepburn, who has four. So she's on her t- tails. And I, I don't know if she's done yet. She only won two, three years ago. And now she has another. I mean, she's unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, Frances McDormand is incredible. And her combined with then Joaquin Phoenix walking out to present an award was like that they they I think are the two most riveting people on stage at an award show well, because anything is possible. <laughs> I don't think anything's possible with Joaquin, but I I, I think that he's just uh, you know like a robot on low battery. But I do think that uh, Francis is 
I love. I also love that she she took the time in a minute. Uh, what we talked about to uh, to say go to a movie theater. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, she would have been my. Any of these women could have won. Uh, this was a yeah. wide open category, uh, entirely wide open category that we really didn't know what was going to happen. But she does win. Uh, she would have been my vote as well. Yeah. You. The the interesting thing about Frances McDormand there is that she her like passionate go to the movie theater stuff that was for the best picture speech. I know. Yeah, I know. Her be- her best actress speech was like, I got I'm speechless. I I sure like to work. Speech, Thank yeah. you for recognizing. So then she left. Which she, was she also incredible. started with a um a Macbeth quote. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, she will be in with Denzel Washington. And, in Ethan Cohen's Macbeth at some point this year. I will be there opening night. Yeah. <laughs> Not a Cohen brothers, just one of them separately. Yeah. yeah. This was a, uh, this was an interesting category where I knew going in that it was kind of wide open and I was thinking about it being like, all right, well, I don't really want Andrew day to win. I don't really want Vanessa Kirby to win. I don't really want Carrie Mulligan to win. And like, I don't think Viola Davis is going to. Mm-hmm. So go Francis. And then she won. By the way, the movie is The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is the first film only directed by Joel Cohen without his brother's involvement. Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Brendan Gleeson, Corey Hawkins, Sean Patrick Thomas. Uh, A24 is the production company. It's called The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, I want to see if it, they're going to say, I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't go straight to what's it called? Uh, Apple TV, because that's, they have a, A24 is a deal with them. Um, but her and Joel Cohen now, uh, because Frances McDormand has an Oscar for Best Picture because she produced Nomadland, uh, four Oscars apiece in that household for each of them. Eight total. How about that? If uh, That's very cool. They're Hollywood's best couple. And if there were still Thursday night, midnight releases, I would be there for Macbeth. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save actor for last because I have a point sure. behind it. Uh, best director... Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. I said it before. I want to echo it again. Uh, she is the second woman ever to win Best Director, coming eleven years, eleven years after uh, Catherine Bigelow won for The Hurt Locker, um, and she's of course the uh, obviously because of that the first uh, woman of Asian descent of color to win. Uh, incredible achievement. I thought she gave a terrific speech. Um, she seems delightful and, uh, Eternals is going to destroy. Yeah. And I, uh, really, really make, really makes me nervous. The Eternals thing. I hope, I hope she it. still gets to me. No, of course she is. Oh, but she, like she'll, she'll definitely still. She's the whole reason she's doing this. So she can finance her other shit. I mean, she's yeah. definitely going to start making other movies. Um, I just, I, I get, I get a little too nervous that like, Eternals is going to be their new like winter soldier. And suddenly Chloe Zhao is doing Avengers six and seven. Yeah. I don't think so. Who would have gotten your vote there? Mine would have gone to Chloe. Uh, probably Lee Isaac Chung, but I can't complain with Chloe Zhao winning. She did a great job. And then best picture of the weird Chloe Zhao second Oscar, Francis McDormand, second Oscar of the evening, Nomadland, the front runner from all the way back in October. That's so rare nowadays. No, that, that happens. It didn't it work is. out for La La Land. It didn't work out for, Another example I can't think of, but 1917. Well, that was, that was actually very late that, that, that buzz happened at the end of December for that movie. That was a very late entry, uh, but similar because that was, uh, uh, became the front runner after that. But, um, about fucking avatar. Also 
in December. What was oh the Hurt Locker was that year? Um, it's very rare now because usually, especially because this was a longer season. This was the second yeah. longest gap between Oscar ceremonies in history. Uh, but with this longer season, they uh, you know usually if there's a front runner because publicists from other ad agencies want to harp in the buzz they'll put out hit pieces and the narrative becomes let's like something else and so this one really stuck around and i'm really glad it was my favorite of the year i think it deserves this award you would have given it to what minari here was the, the highest I, either Min- yeah well Ju- judas was unlisted uh, for me i but see either uh, either minari or judas mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll say minari um but uh, this was a terrific speech. This had uh, Chloe, and then she said, "Here's the f-. they had two nomads that I could see on Swanky was at the Oscars, Noah. Yeah, that was lovely. And then I recognized another nomad, the one who was like with her at the campgrounds that she kept running into at like Amazon and shit. She was uh-huh. also there, I think, uh, which was lovely to see. And uh, I just want I do want to point out that at the end of France Madara gave a great speech about going to a theater. She she said, "Take your you know." Find watch the movie on the biggest screen you can, and I said out loud, "I want to, Francis. I want to see your movie in IMAX." Um, a terrific uh, uh, moment, and I do just want to point out because they they howled at the end. Um, yes. Did you find out what that was about? Did you look that up at all? I assumed it was an allusion to Greyhound, no. nominee for best sound. <laughs> no, it was for Michael Wolf Snyder. Uh, the sound mixer on Nomadland who killed himself in March of this year. Okay. Um, his name was Wolf. And so they howled in honor of him, which I thought was really sweet. Uh, it wasn't just like a crazy thing Frances McDormand did because she's cuckoo. But Because uh, anything can happen. It was it was very, exactly. It was very meaningful. Um, and I love that Rita Moreno came out to give it on the evening that they premiered the trailer. Rita Moreno gave the gave Best Picture and uh, um, uh, it Adriana, I think it's Adriana, Ariana, uh, Du Bois, who plays Anita in Spielberg's West Side Story, was the pre-show uh, interviewer. So okay. they, they had both Anitas there doing stuff. Uh, and of course, Rita is also going to be in the remake as well. Um, best actor. So here's what I, I want to save this for last, and because I want to talk about them using it for last. I, because it didn't work out, and it's obviously a testament to the fact that the Academy actually does not know who's going to win <laughs> the Oscar. Right. That's those... Waterhouse Price Coopers seal their shit and don't tell anybody. But I do want to point out that um, because it didn't work out, it felt manipulative to me. Like it felt like it was using Chadwick for an emotional moment that felt kind of grimy, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like they're like, we're saving this like, because it's going to be this huge. That they they had his widow there ready to give a speech. Uh-huh. She was present. They were like, this is going to be the big fucking moment. We're closing on it. It felt like they were using his departure and 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 all this kind of emotion surrounding him to cap their show. And that felt a little gross in retrospect when it didn't work. I don't know. I, I guess what I would say to that is that if that's going to be gross to cap the show, then it. I just think it has to be gross at any time. Why? They have to give out Best Actor. If they gave I, it out, if they gave it on the correct sequence, third to last, uh-huh. and Chadwick did end up winning. I wouldn't have felt like it was a manipulative move by them to use his his legacy and, and the the shocking loss uh, to bump up their show. I I don't know. I I don't I don't see it that way. I kind of I kind of saw it as just kind of an acknowledgement that again, this is a. This is a juggernaut category. We all just kind of expect 
Chadwick to win. And, you know, look at the fucking, when he won at the Golden Globes uh, and his wife gave that speech. Yeah. Was like by far the moment of the show. And so like, if it, if it's going to be happening anyway, I think it, it's going to be equally as weird to do that and then be like, anyway, let's do best director now, I guess. Well, I guess I might feel differently if like they had those culmination moments, if, if throughout the Oscars history, they were doing that. Like when, when everyone knew that, uh, you know, Halle Berry and Denzel Washington were probably going to be the first two black leads to win the acting Oscars. Uh-huh. They had those be the end of the show. You know what I mean? Or the, uh, uh, what's what's another the Martin Scorsese best director for for The Departed like that was yeah. the last like this kind of thing where throughout the award season you're like this is going so if that was like tradition where they were following a narrative and if this if this felt like a culmination or an overdue thing or this history making moment that they say that to the end I wouldn't have felt as weird about it but because it was it was a decision they made because of this happening I just thought a little I was a little skeezy to me. I mean, I would to to that. I would say uh, a tradition has to start someplace. There has to be a first time that they do something, <laughs> uh, and it's not necessarily the producers' fault that the producers of all those past shows missed so many good opportunities to close well, on a big moment. That they didn't because it was it's the correct decision. Best picture should be last. It's just I mean you've you've got to be a little more open to. Uh, to tradition being shaken up, I think. Just, just a, a little, a little bit, a, a, ha- a hair's breadth more that there, that there might be. I am than the one they came up with uh, five years into the show, and have I am, this. but it logically just makes sense to have the biggest award given out at the end. That, that just makes sense in your brain. It, it leads to all of these pieces make up a movie. The acting, the directing, the sound, the cinematography, these are all one part of an entire motion picture. Now we're giving away the best culmination of all of those pieces. It's a puzzle that we put together, and then at the end of the show, we get to look at the puzzle. But again, every time they do, the results are underwhelming and bad TV. Not every time. Almost every time. Well, then have a rule that the director gets to speak. Then change it from producers. The producers and the director get an award for, you know what I mean? Usually it's just the producers, but change it. So you have best director and if best, if they win best picture, cause they directed it, they also get an Oscar for best picture and then they get to give the speech. Yeah, maybe I'm just, especially because just... generally, you know, in the last like 10 years, more actors are like more actors and more directors are producing Emerald Fennel and, uh, uh, Emerald Fennel has could have been could have won picture for Promising Young Woman. Ryan Coogler uh, produced Judas. He, if that had won, he had he would have gotten an Oscar. And uh, uh, Francis McDormand and, and Chloe Zhao both won for Nomadland. So it's it's becoming more common that that's the case. But I'm just saying a a, a half a notch more open to uh, to div, to divulging divert diverting is the word. I think I'm. I think I'm pretty open. I just think that this is a. This is this is the fucking end of the show. It's the climax. You know, it's not like what if. First of all, they should absolutely have a host. But if they're getting rid of a host, I can live with that. If it's good, if it's a good show. Although I do think a host should come back, but I'm not like set in stone against the host. 
I've, but, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've said thrice now that if they want to do that, it's fine. Although it's wrong that they did. That Both things can be true. Both things can be true. I can be okay with it and then also disagree with it at the same time. Okay. Um, uh, who would have gotten your vote for best actor? Uh, best actor, I would have gone with. I would have. I would have gone with Chadwick here, and I. I don't. I don't even know if that was my favorite performance, but it's just. It really feels like a situation where we all could have gotten together and been like, "Listen, we." Like Chadwick was incredible, and that's going to be a moment, and it's a moment that we're never going to have an opportunity to have again. We're we're not we're not going to get to give Chadwick an award for a shitty movie that he makes when he's 68. Right. Or he's not like getting supporting actor for like defy bloods, which is like, yeah, he's a like good performance, is, but he's barely in it. And like, it's not the standout. Yeah. Movie. It's just like, this is happening. And like Anthony Hopkins is good and he's always good. But like, what can we just, can we not, can we not overthink this? Can we just, can we just do this thing? We're all agreed. And then I would have, I would have made it happen. If I, if I was Steven Soderbergh this year, that would have been my thing. I would have gamed the system so that Chadwick had to win. Uh, I would have, I would have, uh, I think they're the, the, you know, no disrespect to Gary Oldman or Steven Yun, who I think definitely belongs there, Steven. But I think this is a, this is a three person contest. I think it's Riz, Chadwick and Hopkins for the top. Um, and I think it's just about the circumstances. If Chadwick hadn't passed, uh, for me, it's probably a thousand percent Hopkins. If, um, if if Hopkins hadn't won before, and we were in this exact situation, I would give it to Hopkins. But he has an Oscar, yeah. and I and I think Riz is going to have another chance. Uh, so I agree with you in the sense that this can't happen again. It was the perfect. It wasn't perfect because he passed, but it was like the perfect role to come along just as it happened. It was this fiery just completely riveting portrayal. So you don't feel weird about going like, well, he has to win, right? Well, no, he should win. It's not has to anymore. Like we feel like he should win. Um, and so I, I would also give it to Chadwick Boseman, but uh, I'm not at all mad Hopkins won because it it's a different performance from him. Unlike any you've ever seen. And it's really just an outstanding piece of acting. Um, so there we go. Uh, Nomadland wins with three of uh, the last uh, Nomadland, Noah, the first female centric best picture winner in 37 years since Terms of Endearment. Uh, that's that's actually very surprising. Any other fe- any other female centric best picture winner also has an equal male lead. Million Dollar Baby, for instance. Uh, uh, Shakespeare in Love, for instance. But Terms of Endearment is all about the women, and so this what is the a, first one in 37 years. What about The Shape of Water, which has an equally focused fish lead? Well, he has a penis, so she had sex with it. Um, she also did a little motion with her hand when she when Dr. Jones was like, what was it like? I gave Ahmad that Blu-ray. I don't know if he's watched it. This is a big spoiler, but they okay. fuck. You don't see it, but you want to, and you're disappointed that they didn't go that far, but it's very nice. Uh, the last it, stat, the, Noah. I think you'll really enjoy. Not it. Go that ahead. Kind of movie. No, <laughs> no, that's you. You don't want it there. Would not have worked. The last. I, I, listen, I think Guillermo can pull it off. Uh, the last stat, which I think you'll like, Mank, about the creation of Citizen Kane, now has more Academy Awards than Citizen Kane. That is, uh, which yeah. is ironic. 
funny and weird in equal measure. I'm honestly kind of surprised that Mank won anything. It really felt like Mank had come and gone, and yeah. everyone decided like we're over Mank, and so still a number of awards for it. Was, I don't blame like, him for being over Mank. Yeah, I know you didn't like Mank. I liked Mank fine. It's just clearly a weaker Fincher, and just not int- not at all stays with you at all. It's a three star movie playing in a four star pond. Some of these other ones. All right. Um, let's get into it. We all know what you came here for. Thank you for indulging us on my Oscar ranting uh, next year. Next year in uh, uh, Jerusalem, as we say. Yeah. Next year right. at my house is what yeah. I say. Here's the thing, though, is that next year is going to be bad, too. It's not gonna be like this. Next year they're Two. gonna next year they're gonna be in a theater and they're gonna they're they're not gonna fuck up like they did at the end of this. Um and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's also a shortened season, Noah. March first to December thirty first. Uh-huh. Shortened season. All right, Multiplex Madness Forever, the Sweet Sixteen Candles Part Two. We're announcing some division winners. Uh we're announcing winners in the Hayas Miyazaki division, family films, Tony Scott division, the action films, Nora Ephron division, that's the romantic comedies, and the Justin Lin division, those nineties sequels. We got five categories. The first to three wins moves on. They clinch their division and move on to the Elite Eight and a half. Those categories are bigger profit relative to budget, the quality of the movie themselves themselves itself. I don't know. Uh, Harder Road to Success, and The Two Legacies. Noah, think of a 2000s movie uh, for me while I say this. The uh, the film's legacy split into two. The legacy of the film itself and the legacy of the participants. For example... X-Men. X-Men. Legacy of the film itself. Well, uh, it, was, it really helped to solidify and popularize comic book superhero films. It was the, really the first team film of its kind. It uh, came out before Spider-Man, came out in 2000. So it led to this huge genre, the mo- dominant genre of the theatrical landscape currently. That would be the legacy of the film itself. And uh, and then the legacy of the participants, I mean, Hugh Jackman. What else can you say? Come on. Gave us Not Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. All right. Here we go. The Hayao Miyazaki division. The Noah's favorite Disney film, The Lion King, the one seed, takes on my favorite Disney film, Aladdin, the two seed. The Lion King beat the eight seed, the Prince of Egypt, the four seed Tarzan to get here, and Aladdin defeated the seven seed Pocahontas and the three seed Beauty and the Beast. The Lion King was released June 15th, 1994. Opening weekend, $41 million expansion for both of these movies and for the early Disney flicks. They opened in two theaters in one weekend before expanding. I don't know why. Final gross, $312 million domestic. Aladdin uh, was released November 13th, 1992. Opening weekend, $19 million expansion and a final gross of two seventeen domestically. All right, bigger profit relative to budget. The Lion King costs $45 million to make it, gross $858. That's profit of $1,908. And Aladdin had a budget of $28 million. It grossed $504. That's profit of 1,800%. Game Oof. one. Game Big one win. goes to The Lion King. For my cats. For your cats. You know, what's interesting, too, is that uh, I picked The Lion King and you picked Aladdin, so I don't know what you want to root for here. Okay, quality of movie. I mean, we can uh, (laughs) can just breeze right by this. My vote is for The Lion King. Mine is as well. No, wait. Mine's Aladdin. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Mine is Aladdin. All right, harder road to success. Uh, I'm going to give this, you know, this is an interesting question because... Uh 
Aladdin grossed 60 million more than Beauty and the Beast, and Lion King grossed 100 million more than Aladdin. Um, so, was the harder road getting 100 million over the last film? I'm going to give harder road of success to uh, Aladdin because, well, the Lion King coming off of Mermaid, coming off of Beauty and the Beast, and then coming off of Aladdin really exploding into the 200s. Um, I think it was just a matter of time before some kept going higher and higher. I, I think that's right. I think that's uh, pretty consistent with uh, how I vote on these things is that uh, Aladdin had a lot going for it, but the Lion King had all of that going for it, plus Aladdin, uh-huh. which was a huge success. Uh, so yeah, I, even even though Lion King crossed 300 million, I just I find it hard to say that it had a harder road to get there. All right. So that is Noah has it at two, one. I have it, uh, the Lion King and I have it at one, two, one Aladdin. Okay. Yes. Uh, legacy of the film itself. Lion King was the number two film in 1994. Number one animated film of all time. 88 on Metacritic, four Oscar nominations, two Oscars, Aladdin was the number one film of 1992. It became the number one animated film in history. 86 on Metacritic, five Oscar nominations, and two Academy Awards. So if we're just looking at those stats, Aladdin was the number one film of its year. Lion King, two points higher on Metacritic. Both have the same Oscar wins. Aladdin, one more Oscar nomination. Very close stats, but Lion King does win, so I think we can just move on. Uh, Yes. uh, Just kidding. Go ahead. I mean, I... I do vote Lion King here just because I think... Uh, Wait, did I say the Lion King moves on and then we can just move on? Is that what I said? You did, yes. Oh, I meant Aladdin. Okay. I, I, I even fucking my jokes. Why do you have me on this podcast with you? Well, you're the host and I uh, enjoy speaking with you. <sighs> it's a good time. Here's, here's, my, here's my reasoning for the Lion King is that just with Disney's rash of, uh, of soulless remakes over the past five, 10 years, I, uh, we have pretty concrete numbers about how society still looks at these movies. Uh, and the Lion King remake outgrossed the Aladdin remake by about $200 million, which is a lot. It is a lot. All right, so you're going with The Lion King. I will go with The Lion King as well, but it's just tied for me. So is there any chance Aladdin moves on here, or are we just done? Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think – I don't like the just looking ahead to how it's going to play okay, out. Okay, fine. Lion King fine. hasn't won yet, so. Fine. Uh, Legacy of the Participants, uh, yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin Williams is. So I'm going uh, with. I'm going with Aladdin. Is Aladdin's trump card here? Uh, Lion, the Lion King against most other things, I think would have a solid case in that. Uh, I think James Earl Jones is one of. Yeah, it's big. Sort of one of one of the iconic voice performers in Hollywood. Between uh, between this and Darth Vader, he's given some of the uh, biggest vocal performances, the most like memorable and iconic. Mm-hmm. But James Earl Jones is not Robin Williams, so uh, Aladdin does have uh, the winning broader legacy here. Okay, so I have Aladdin winning four, or sorry, three two. You have Lion King winning three, three two. two. Yeah, so it is a perfect tie. 
And as we all know, the tiebreaker goes to the highest grossing domestically, and that would be the Lion King. Moves on. Uh, I saw it coming, but I'm not mad because I picked the Lion King out of this group. Yes. I will uh, I will accept this victory graciously and I think it's only fitting that it was a uh, it was a perfect tie until the very end. Both deserving films. Lion King moves on. It wins the Hayao Miyazaki division. It will face the winner of the Tony Scott division. Let's see what it'll face. The 2 seed Armageddon and the 4 seed Speed. Armageddon had to defeat the 7 seed Deep Impact, the 3 seed Air Force 1 to be here and Speed, the 4 seed had to defeat the 5 seed Twister. And the one seed independence, they beat a one seed to get here. It's hard incredible. to do. Incredible. Armageddon was released July 1st, 1998 opening weekend, 36 million over its first Friday to uh, Sunday. However, it opened on a Wednesday. So that those total five days, 54 million final gross, 201 domestic speed was released June 10th, 1994 opening weekend, $14 million final gross, 121 Bigger profit relative to budget. Well, uh, Armageddon costs 140. It grossed 553. That's a profit of 395. Speed costs 30. It grossed 350. That's a profit of 1,168. Just smacks the shit. That's a out of uh, Steve Buscemi and Armageddon and uh, wins game one. It's just a really terrible number for Armageddon. Yeah, it is a shame it costs that much. Uh, and also, well, no, I'm sorry. It's a shame that the overseas wasn't as expanded theatrically as it is yeah. now. Because, you know, uh, two, uh, 2012, Noah, 20, remember that movie? Oh, yes. 2012. Yes. Grossed, grossed $700 million worldwide. And that movie is garbage. Can you imagine if Armageddon was released in a healthy worldwide marketplace with like the song and the big ending and shit. It would have been huge. It would have been billion huge. dollars. Billion dollars. Billion Easy. dollars. Easy. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's not. Game one goes to speed. Quality of movie itself. I love I love oh, Titanic. I love Armageddon dearly. I think it's just a blast, but uh speed is just a superior motion picture in almost every sense. I was uh, not sure how you were going to go on this one. That is 100% correct. Uh, Speed wins quality of movie. Okay, that's 2-0 for Speed. Let's see if Armageddon can take harder road to success. So this is interesting because Armageddon, big budget, right? Big stars. Uh, Although coming two months after the similarly uh, themed Deep Impact, which was itself a hit, Speed, uh, you know, Keanu had been in... um, uh, Point Break, two Bill and Ted films. He had some clout to his name. Sandra Bullock, not so much. And it made a really, really good, but not out of this world, 121, right? That's just like a that's just a really solid number for an action movie. Sure. So what do we think of the did Speed have the harder road getting there with such little help, or was Armageddon hampered by such a similar movie opening so close to it? I mm. I don't know. I'm inclined to say speed just because Armageddon had such a big budget mm. that I've it's it seems to me that in the boardrooms there probably weren't a lot of questions about whether or not Armageddon would be a, a hit. I feel like you got to be pretty confident that a movie is going to hit it big if you're right. going to spend $140 million on it in 1998. So I'm in, I'm inclined to lead speed here for that reason. But what do you think? Well, I'm looking something up. Um, remember what the highest grossing movie in '94 was? It's something I've asked you a few times. 
Uh, 94 Forrest Gump? Correct. Open July 6th. Uh, remember the movie we just talked about that also opened uh, 94? Speed? The Lion no, King. The Lion King. June 15th. Good, good year. June 15th. Okay. Uh, those movies were both making over $300 million, same time as Speed, so I guess there's something there. <sighs> so that, that would be... That would add to before speed. speed. Case, right? Yeah, it would add to speed's case. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying 98 didn't have its fair share of shit. I just don't know what it is, and I don't sure. Want to but just that's, that's a lot out. going on at once. I, I'm going to officially vote speed. Um, I'm gonna, oh, man, yeah, I'm gonna go with Armageddon. I think the marketing. No, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go with speed. I think the marketing for Armageddon okay. was huge, and I think it was just destined. Uh, the soundtrack. I think it was destined to make money. Uh, I think Our, the deep, the deep impact was 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 a hiccup. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, speed. Speed moves on. Are we Sweet. underselling speed as a potential winner of this tournament? No, not at all. It, it has a lot of things going for it. I just I think that that gross is small. You know what I mean? I think that gross yeah, sure. that gross is going to hurt its harder road as we get further into this competition. But yeah. it has the first two. I mean, also that profit's pretty small for '90s. We've seen a lot of huge numbers coming out of these '90s movies. But it's got the quality for it for sure. Uh, just be pretty strong. Yeah, I'm just saying it. It swept Armageddon. It also swept Independence Day. That's incredible. So let's let's not let's not discount it when we're talking about the, the top tier contenders. I think it's, a, speed. it's literally a bus that cannot stop. It's yes. not a freight train. It's a bus, and it cannot stop. All right, uh, so that means the Lion King will take on Speed. Boy, that's going to be weird. Uh, Nora Ephron division, the romantic comedies. The one seed Pretty Woman takes on the three seed. There's something about Mary. Pretty Woman had to de- had to defeat fellow Julie Roberts star Notting Hill, the eighth seed, and Jerry Maguire, the four seed. While there's something about Mary had to face the Best Picture winner Shakespeare in Love, the six seed, and the Julie Roberts slash Cameron Diaz vehicle, My Best Friend's Wedding, the two seed to get here. Pretty Woman was released March 23rd, 1990. Is where that ends. Uh, <laughs> opening weekend, eleven million dollars. Final gross, one seventy eight. There's something about Mary was released July fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Opening weekend, thirteen eighteen million for its five day, and then it went on to gross one hundred and seventy six. Such similar grosses, very very similar. Yeah. Uh, what's not similar is the bare profit relative to budget, because Pretty Woman cost fourteen million dollars. It grossed four sixty three worldwide. That's profit of three thousand three hundred and nine. There's something about Mary had a budget of 23. It grossed 370. That's profit of 1,608. Game one goes to pretty woman. Decisive. You know what else is a decisive victory? Quality of movie. Because my vote goes to there's something about Mary. Indeed. Mine as well. Pretty woman is not good. Harder road to success. I I wanted to kind of look up Richard Gere's status here. Uh, Okay. In this what time, is- he was a big star. I think he was in a little bit of a slump. Um, but well, he had <clears throat> he had not yet made arbitrage, so that makes sense. He had not yet made arbitrage. That's a huge problem for him. Uh, American Gigolo was in 1980. Officer and a Gentleman was in 82. And then I just think that he wasn't in a lot of great things. In between, uh, I also wanted to look up Gary Marshall because I think what this is going to come to, you know, we know Cameron Diaz had more clout than Julia Roberts here. Although Julia Roberts, at this point, I believe I should probably look her up too. Can you look up when Julia Roberts was nominated for uh, Steel Magnolias? For 
for Best yes. Supporting Actors. But not Gary Marshall, the Idaho House of Representatives. What the fuck are you talking Why about? Would, maybe it's the same one. Um, all right. He had directed Beaches, which we all know is very popular. was kind of a hit. Yeah, I mean, Gary Marshall was more known for television um than anything else he directed overboard which i think was a big hit not really uh so even he doesn't have that much clout so i think this is what this is going to come down to is whether we think that cameron diaz and the fairly brothers uh which at that point they had made dumb and dumber um and kingpin and cameron diaz was in the mask and my best friend's wedding among some other things but nothing that really hit uh, until this, whether that was bigger than Julia Roberts, who was in she uh, was, Mystic Pizza, uh, which was a big deal, and then Steel Magnolias was when the year prior, nineteen ninety. Okay, she was nominated for an Oscar oh, for that. Ni- yeah, I guess nineteen eighty nine, nominated in ninety. She was, she was nominated for an Oscar just before this came out, actually, because that was yeah. this came out in March. So, what do we think here, knowing that information? I my my inclination is that the cases for both of these movies remain incredibly similar uh and the tiebreaker for me might just be that it's harder to make 170 plus million dollars in 1990 than it is in 1998 i think that's correct yeah so that's correct pretty woman for me i'm gonna give it a pretty woman as well legacy of the film itself pretty woman was the number one romantic comedy of all time 51 on metacritic the number four film of 1990 and was Julie Roberts again nominated for Best Actress? There's something about Mary was the number three film in 1998, 69 on Metacritic. Is this also Pretty Woman? Like, is, is I think it is. I think Pretty I feel Woman. Like Pretty is... Woman is the most underwhelming steamrolling ship. Like it just it destroys everything it comes up against, and we're just like, is it this again? I guess it has to be. I, I think I think that's true. Just because again, it's bad, but it is just a complete pillar of romantic comedies i think you're right i think i think pretty woman pretty woman wins and advances to the elite eight and a half it wins the romantic comedy nor efron division uh and it will be facing the winner of the justin lynn division which we'll find out what that is and look we we often we often say this but this this is not a competition for best movie of the 90s that's true pretty 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 woman woman, pretty woman ends up like winning this contest i will never we'll never do another tournament (laughs) that's that's not true but we're gonna be pissed about it sure well Um, we'll look at at the rules that's that's also how you know how fairly we treat this we're just like we don't want it to win but oh yeah my god all right, uh, the it Justin Lin division, the sequels, the one seed Terminator Two Judgment Day, takes on the three seed Toy Story Two. Terminator Two Judgment Day had to defeat the eight seed. There's so many long titles. Defeat the eight seed Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. It then went on to defeat Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, to get here. Toy Story Two defeated the six seed Die Hard with a Vengeance. And the seventh seed, Batman Returns. Terminator 2 Judgment Day was released July 3rd, 1991. Opening weekend, $31 million. 52 over the five-day expansion. Not expansion, just the five-day long weekend. 204 domestic. Toy Story 2 was released November 19th, 1999. Opening weekend, $57 million. $80 million for a five-day expansion. That's a, a gross 248 domestic. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Had a budget of $102 million. It grossed $517 worldwide. That's profit of 507 
Toy Story 2 cost $90 million. It grossed $487. That's a profit of $541. Close. But Game 1 goes to Toy Story 2. And I think a very big win for Toy Story 2. Yes, I think that's going to be very strong. Quality movie. Uh, this is incredibly close for me, Noah. I'm surprised it's incredibly close. It's inc- I, in I, fact, I, I'm very surprised it's incredibly close. I'm still going Just, with Toy Story 2. I uh, I figured but, you would, but I but I do love Terminator too. I own it on DVD somewhere, and uh, it's a t- terrific, terrific actually one of the best uh, sequels ever made. But um, but no, I think Toy Story two um, coming out with a story just as strong and emotionally relevant as Toy Story seems nearly impossible. And I think they nail the uh, the pathos. They nail making the story bigger. The graphics are better. I think it's just it's it elevates the first film in every way. So Toy Story two takes my vote. My uh, my vote is for Terminator 2 here. I've never uh, been as big into Toy Story 2 as you. And I, I, do, I, do, I do just want to uh, call, call this back for the record. Uh, Toy Story over Jurassic Park was, I, be, I believe the expression you used was hands down Toy Story. Whereas Toy Story 2, incredibly close to Terminator 2. And that is not the way... I thought you would have gone uh, with Terminator 2. Do you think Terminator 2 is better than Jurassic Park? I don't know. Which like, is and fine. I, I just I, 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 I don't know. thought and that for you. I don't know. And what's exciting is that I don't have to say. That's true. I just, as as such a Spielberg guy, I'm a big I would have, I, I would have, I would have been certain I will that tell you, you have more of an affinity for Jurassic Park than know, Terminator 2. I don't 2. know if this helps you, but Toy Story is probably better than Toy Story 2. Does that help you decide? No, because it's only probably, and so I, I think, I think they're in your mind. They're certainly very close, uh, and there, there seems to be a much bigger gap between Terminator Two and Jurassic Park. And I think, uh, I, I think maybe what I meant last two week last week was yeah. that like that was also close. But I just know what I'm going to pick. Like I know yeah. it's Toy Story, but they're close in my on my lists, but like, no, it's definitely toy story. This one was more, I might give it to Terminator too. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know what to tell you. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, and again, none of this is criticism. It's just, it's interesting. It's not, it's not the way I would have thought that your internal rankings would have gone is all. Uh, I don't, but, yeah, I, it, but I'll tell you this. If, if you wanted to ask me, what would you rather watch right now? Jurassic park, Terminator two, uh-huh. Jurassic park. Okay. Again, this is all this is all strange, but let's. Uh, I vote Terminator Two. Let's move on to harder road to success. Uh, well, it's a good question. Terminator Two was coming off of a predecessor that didn't gross a super amount of money, but it did have it did have the luxury of being marketed as the biggest movie ever made, uh, revolutionary special effects, and still the biggest star on the planet, more so than Terminator, because you know that was early in Schwarzenegger's career, sure. and now he's the biggest star in the world. Toy Story 2 grosses 80 million 50 uh, 50 million more I think I think it's I'll, I'll double check I'm already on uh, I think it's here. I think it's 50 million more than Toy Story I no oh. it's 20 million mm, so, oh, this might be with like re-releases yeah I think stuff. that's what right. I think I think Toy Story initially is 190 okay let's see uh yeah, one ninety uh, original yeah. release domestic. Yeah. So fifty million more. 
than Toy Story. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. You know, I feel like if any movie was primed for like a breakout, I remember the trailers for Toy Story 2 with the boys are uh-huh. back in town and shit and it being incredibly exciting. The marketing machine was out for it. Um, and I feel like if you're going to have a breakout sequel, it would probably be the Toy Story. This just huge phenomenon that suddenly occurred and changed the landscape of animation. And so you have the follow-up that who's not excited for that. I just feel like Terminator 2 was like built to succeed. You know what I mean? Like they had the revolutionary special effects, Schwarzenegger at the height of his fame. Sure. I uh, off, off the top of your head, do you know roughly how the Terminator did? I, I have this looked up. I'm just, I'm curious if this is factoring into your thinking. Uh, I feel like it's less than 50, isn't it? It is. Yeah. The, the Terminator in 1984 grossed $38 million. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, I didn't want to go too low and guess thirties and yeah. be like a fool, but yeah. So to me, like that's Terminator two was certainly set up for success with a, with a budget like that. And just with all of the hype that you're talking about. Yeah. But that, that jump I think is too big for me to overlook. I think that, that, that feel, that feels very similar to the uh, Austin Powers two conversation we were having uh-huh. when that movie was still alive. I'm sure that sequel didn't have the same level of hype around it, but still, this is a, I, I think the jump, I think I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Is, and I, just because I remember the fervor around toy story two. And if there was ever a movie, built to have a successful follow-up it was everyone was excited to see woody and buzz back i mean that's just so yeah i i I will also give that to terminator 2 all right so uh you've got toy story up two to one i got terminator up two to one okay legacy of the film itself terminator 2 is the number one film in 1991 number three film in history worldwide 75 on metacritic six oscar nominations four academy awards Toy Story 2 was the number three film in 1999, 88 on Metacritic, one Oscar nomination. Film itself, no. What do we think here? I think this is tough. I think, uh, and I just want to uh, confirm my numbers here. Uh, yeah, okay. I think Toy Story 2's biggest problem here is the sheer level of acclaim that the whole franchise has. Okay. I, th- I, th- I think toy story two is probably the least thought of toy story movie. More than four. Well, just only because four is the highest grossing one. I think, I think if not, you ask not, people, not, we- not tickets sold my man. I know, but was, I'm just saying know. more, more people saw, you know, two in theaters than four, but Okay. And uh, but one? I'm I'm saying when we were talking about Toy Story four, uh, all of uh, this is the second time today that I've almost said all of last year, uh, all of last active year, 2019. Yeah, the, the last year that we were all doing things. Uh, which, by the way, I think I think for the rest of this year, we should all just agree to let that slide. When someone's like, "Oh yeah," when Toy Story four was out last year. Like we sure. all know what we mean. It's fine. Okay. Uh, we weren't we weren't couching it with like, oh, Toy Story Four is like technically the highest grossing, but not really. Just like it was, it was the highest grossing one. Uh, but at best, Toy Story Two is the third most thought of Toy Story movie. Uh, whereas I think Terminator is pretty convincingly not only the and it's it's not a big deal to be the most thought of Terminator movie of 
really two contenders, but they're two top tier contenders. The rest don't really count. Uh, three's fine. And it's, it's also, I think just a, a completely huge pillar of the action genre. I agree. And I'm going with Terminator two as well. All right. So now do I have it tied? Uh, yeah, you have it tied and I have Terminator two advancing. All right. So basically, right. And basically, uh, this is definitely Terminator two. I've made the argument before the legacy of the participants, I think it's huge for Linda Hamilton. I think it's huge for Schwarzenegger. It's like his last big hurrah. I think that, and I mentioned this before, um, the James Cameron of it all. I think this, this, and this is number two with Titanic. Yeah. For on his, on his, uh, legacy of his filmography. Toy Story two, uh, is I think beloved still. It has the song that everyone remembers the, you know, when she loved me, the whole Jesse storyline, everyone remembers. For, um, for, for one million dollars, I'm not sure that I could sing that song, which says more about me than Toy Story Two. Okay. But right. I want you. Okay, we're gonna try this. Think sepia tone. Okay, I'm gonna walk you yeah. through the scene. I'm gonna say sure, the title. Like the side of the road. I'm gonna say the title. When yeah. she loved me. It's a now, slow all song. I, all I can think of is the tune of "Isn't She Lovely." <laughs> what if I gave you like the first? Uh, let me see. I'm going to give you the first two lines of like a verse of it. Okay. Okay. Let's see if you get it. When somebody. When oh, was, somebody... oh, that was it. Okay. When you said I the said first the two first... lines, that well, was the first two words. Sorry. Yeah. The first two words. When <laughs> somebody. Those are two okay. words. Yeah, they are. I was, I was looking, I was waiting for a complete line. All right. No, fine. Nothing. Fine. Do you want me to do nothing. the complete line? I, I don't know that it's going to help. Fine. Uh, when, well, you tell me when you got it. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. In the hours we spent together lives within my heart. And then the, the thing is, the ending is, when she loved me. Do, 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 do. You know, not, not ring any bells for you. It- it's it's literally it's literally each part of it comes back to me as you're doing it a little bit and I it I makes, don't know where it it's makes going. Everybody cry <laughs> except for you. Um, Again, that's that's commentary on me, not on the film, but it is the case. I so yes, Toy Story Two is very important to a lot of people. It's it's a, it's one of the best sequels ever made, but Terminator Two is more important to the legacy of Jim Cameron, and I think yeah. that that holds it over Toy Story Two. Terminator 2 Judgment Day, another one seed, moves on to the Elite Eight and a Half. Where we have a complete eight, Elite Eight and a Half. I'll reveal uh, all eight at the end. Let's move on. Uh, Noah, go to the numbers.com. You get to read some box office news. Wonderful. I'm on my way. Have you heard about any of the box office news? Have I heard about the box office news? I haven't. Is okay. Kong versus Godzilla still doing well? It's doing fine. I, I, I think it's chances at 100 a little rockier, but. All right, let's get it. I just I just need the first two. Oh, oh, I see. We're we're bringing back uh, my uh, reading the chart segments. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I uh, I don't remember how I did it. It's been so long. Mortal Kombat <laughs> opened at number one with twenty three point three million dollars. 
Uh, and Demon Slayer the movie <laughs> opened at number two with 21.1. That's right. Mortal Kombat. In almost half as many theaters, I want to point out. Yes, it's per theater average the biggest in Sonic in February of last year. Mortal Kombat, $23 million. This would have been a dream opening for this movie during normal times. I mean, truly, $23 million is like the most Mortal Kombat could have possibly hoped for. Like, video game movies are not popular. This had nobody in it of note that could lead the movie. Yeah. And like, this is one of those that's like destined to fail. Like we're doing Mortal Kombat. We got like five movies set up. This is going to be nuts. And everyone's like, yeah, no, no one wants to see that. But $23 million, that's right. this is another win for Warner Brothers. Solid marketing campaign. Lack of options at theaters. More theaters are opening now. Again, this is all with the film, Noah, being available to watch now on HBO Max. So that number would have gone up even higher, most likely. If uh, Well, not most likely, certainly, at least a yeah. little bit, if it wasn't on HBO Max. Globally, the tally still isn't there quite yet. It's only at 50 million so far. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, next week is going to be key to seeing how it does here. Either way, this is the best Warner Brothers could have ever hoped for, even with a healthy theatrical environment. And then Demon Slayer the movie, Mugen Train, $21 million. This is based on apparently a very popular TV show. Uh, this is the biggest film in Japan's history. It's the biggest anime film of all time. And Noah, this is the second biggest domestic opening for a foreign language film in history after The Passion of the Christ. You want to you know a a feeling that I'm having that I, I would not have predicted, but is oh. uh, I, see, I see this news. I see Demon Slayer, the movie distributed by Funimation. Uh-huh. And suddenly I really fucking want to watch Demon Slayer, the movie. Mm. Like, I really want to see this movie. Why? I don't know. I mean, I used to be, I used to be into this kind of thing. I, you know, I would, I, I watched, I watched a ton of Dragon Ball Z. I was an Inuyasha fan in my youth. Uh, I've got, I've got a bit of an anime background. Well, it's supposed to be very good. I believe it's R rated, um, but it's supposed to be very good. I think you Scott Mendelson of Forbes, his daughter's big into it. So he saw it with her and he said he was completely lost for about half the movie. Okay, but, so uh, it's not it's not it's not really for newcomers. I don't, I perhaps? don't think it's that accessible. All right, well, um, I'll read a, I'll, I'll read the I'll read the wiki going in. I just I you know I some something about it just makes me go like shit. Okay, this guy and like I here's the the I just looked up the series. Uh, it's about a young boy who wants to become a demon slayer after his family is slaughtered and his younger sister is turned into a demon. Mm. Like yeah, I'm in. Let's let's do this right now. Sounds great. Good lord. Okay. Um, we we've seen a lot of these kind of anime properties coming here and then being released in very sh- a small amount of theaters, limited engagements, and making a lot of money. That's becoming more and more common. But this is a huge amount of money for this kind of movie. I think it's partially due to the lack of options in theaters. Obviously, a devoted fan base, and they also had the marketing, the distribution for this had a lot of outdoor screenings as well. Really playing to families and people who uh might not want to f- might not feel safe inside of a theater who aren't vaccinated yet uh-huh. but two films opening over 20 million dollars in one weekend that's a remarkable and very encouraging sign so that's exciting plenty of real weekends don't have that that's very, very cool. exciting uh our spotlight is very quick gone versus gong gong versus uh godzilla oh, no, wait. gong versus godzilla. Gong versus godzilla that's it a uh, big is now monster. over 400 million dollars worldwide so that's the spotlight there okay let's uh let's move on no i'm feeling peckish i feel like a game is coming all up. right 
games are good. Uh, so that means it's time to play everybody's latest favorite game. Did it, it make, make more, more or, or less, less than Shrek Forever after's after opening, opening weekend? weekend? We all know how to play. I'll name a movie and you tell me whether it's total gross was more or less than Shrek Forever after's opening weekend for a bonus point. You can choose to either name the movie's director or an unspecified number of cast members chosen by me. I'm starting to think I should condense that summary a little bit. Are you ready to play? Is this going to be Oscar edition? Because we just said the Oscars. This is not Oscar edition. For some reason, this is 2010 edition. Okay. I just, I I opened the page for that year and I hit on uh, three movies that all spoke to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume you are ready to play. Your first film is red. All caps. Oh, sure. Red. I'm, red was a hit. Um, but I'm still going to say less. Oh, no. <laughs> red was more. <laughs> red was, was a hit. God, I have no idea. What, I'll go with Cass because I don't know who directed Red off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, red was directed by a gentleman named Robert Schwentke. Schwentke? I mean, that sounds uh, familiar, but I couldn't tell. I would like, uh, and I have, have you seen Red? I've already picked the number, so this oh, isn't going to Yes, I did in theaters. All right, so maybe I've gone a little low here. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember much about it. I didn't like it when it came out. I would like four cast members from Red. Oh, please. I could do that easy. I was underwhelmed by yeah, Red. Was... Uh, Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, uh, John Malkovich, Mary Louise Parker. Those are the five I remember. <laughs> those are all correct. Uh, I also would have accepted Carl Urban didn't know he was in it and i believe there are other people who are for some reason buried much deeper okay. on the imdb list but yes you have gotten the point i was right. correct it's a little really easy. really underwhelmed by red i have never seen it but i remember people thinking that your second uh, your second film from 2010 the a-team uh less the a-team was once again more a hit, a hit if ever there think, was one. I didn't think the A-Team was that successful. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't oh. have thought so either. Son of a bitch who directed the A-Team. Uh, oh, God. I can't think of the guy's name who I want to guess. Um, I'll go with cast. All right. Uh, was the it director... James Gray? No. No. No, I want to go with director. Okay. Wait, I'm worried now. John Car- Carnahan, Carahan. I I will I'll accept that because his name is Joe Carnahan. Oh but, yes. Okay. But Car- Carnahan will take it. Thank you. Uh, if the A team had been directed by James Gray, <laughs> I I don't know what, but that'd be fucking. Well, I weird. think it's because Joe Joe Carnahan directed the Gray, and so he did he as well yeah. as Smoke and Aces. All right, how many actors are you gonna give me? Uh, I was once again going to give you four. I would have wanted basically you to name the A team. I wouldn't have gotten the UFC fighter who didn't do anything else after this. But uh, um, Copley, sure, uh, Cooper, Neeson, and Beal. Yes, that would have uh, that was what's, correct. What's the guy's name who didn't do anything else but play Quentin Rampage Jackson? See, I know that name, but I yeah. wouldn't have recalled it at all. Uh, you also could have taken Patrick Wilson, Gerald McCraney, uh, Henry Zerny. Yeah, I was going to say Journey? Gerald McCraney. I've never seen the A-Team. I don't know. Me neither. Uh, but I remember being excited that Quentin Rampage Jackson was in it at the time. All right. So that was uh, 
one point again for the A-Team, your final film. Get him to the Greek. Less. Correct. That made less Thank than God. Shrek Forever After. Oh, man. Get him to the Greek. Oh, wait. Oh, do I know who directed Was it? Hmm. Did Stoller direct this? I don't know. Did he? Oh, shit. I'm... Oh. I'm going to go with cast because I think I can do that. I don't know. But did did Stoller direct it as well? You're officially going cast? Yes. He did. Nicholas Stoller is our first repeat director. Damn it. And, uh, yeah, well, game. you're doing this, the spiritual sequel. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, it's is this four. a spiritual it's, sequel it's, or is this just a sequel? Is this just a sequel? It's a I, think it's, I think it's like a spinoff. Okay. Jonah Hill playing a different character than he did. Yeah. He was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, which is why it's a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's four. It's four, uh, four characters. Oh, for sure. Oh, God. Do I have a fourth? Uh, Elizabeth Moss, Jonah Hill, Russell Brand, and I'm going to just take some shots at uh, Nicholas Stoller, people. So let's say Craig Robinson. Uh, well, let's see. Oh, no. Sorry. Puff Daddy. I know Puff Daddy's in it. All right. I'll accept that because that's a... Uh, what do you mean you'll accept that? He's in it. I know, but you've gotten Craig Robinson wrong. Um, oh, am I not allowed to get people wrong? Oh, I didn't know that. And like, that was, I, I, didn't, I didn't make that clear, which is why, again, I will accept oh, okay. this. Okay. Uh, Great. But I, I, th- I think the rule I settled on was that four or less... I want oh you to right, but, right, right. But again, uh, early gotta, order. So I will, add, I will give. Got to add that to your very long intro. Yeah. Um, uh, many other people appearing in this. Uh, that's a movie. You and I just we were so excited. Yeah, fucking and love forgetting Sarah Marshall to this day. We thought it was horrible, awful, not funny. I was. That's one of the more shocking experiences i've had in a theater no just being like oh my god why am yeah. i not connecting with any of this yeah a uh, truly deep cast you could have picked from uh, sure. especially since it features a bunch of people playing themselves like pink oh, didn't uh, occur to me you've got rose burn oh yeah uh, she played uh all the snow's girlfriend yeah i remember that yeah movie. i'm gonna skip all the uh, all the people who are playing themselves uh Aziz Ansari is in this. Nick Kroll, Ellie Kemper, Jake Johnson. Mm. Uh, Tom, no, he played himself, Tom Felton. Uh, Kristen Bell makes an appearance. Tom as Felton Sarah played himself? He did. I bet her Sarah Marshall appearance is like in a TV show. Yeah, on the show she was on. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kristen Schaal was in this movie. A, uh, a lot of people who I don't think had become things yet. TJ no. Miller. Most of those people that you said yeah. weren't things at the time. But they're in it all the same. Yeah. All right. So that was two points for Get Him to the Greek uh, for a total of a four-point affair. Okay. All right. And finally, our uh, coming on from a theater near you, I'm going to take you back in time. You clearly already know the answer to this as you brought it up unprompted at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but the number is still uh, one I'll be looking Go for. Ahead. 2018. Uh, Avengers Infinity War. $258 million, sir. $258 million? I think that's 
Yeah, I think so. Let's see, box office mojo is as such that I have to. Uh, well, yeah. Box piece of shit. Yeah, I have to check this for some reason. Maybe uh, the numbers. Yeah. All right. So this this does uh, when I look it up this way say two hundred and fifty seven. Uh, so why does the first page say three hundred and thirty eight? That's I don't know. It's entirely what wrong. Is, what, what, what what does that number mean anything to you? No, uh, that's not even a worldwide because it would be bigger than that. So no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Maybe that's the foreign opening. I don't know. Unclear. Anywhere could it could it be? I'm on the week. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that's it's the week it's like on the fucking weekly chart, which it does sometimes. Uh, this way, anyway, well done. Thank you. Uh, Two hundred fifty-seven point six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, our first episode. How apropos that you chose that before I mentioned it. Absolutely, it's our first uh, episode, and you thought I'd forgotten. Well, you did. Um, that's all what right. The evidence says <laughs> that's what you said earlier when you said it is. Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> what what am i recording this <laughs> nobody knows that you know what we haven't done in a while noah recorded this recommended a movie oh sure you have a movie to recommend uh yeah, i'll pick something from the oscars oh that's nice i'll do the same i uh, my oscars recommendation is actually uh, it's going to be the last oscar movie i watched that i found to be quite good mm. and it is collective on hulu all right. A uh, very well-made documentary about the failings of the Romanian healthcare system, which I know sounds pretty dry. It's quite exciting and really <laughs> makes you wonder how they got allowed into those rooms. I, I will uh, warn the viewer that you need to be ready to watch and pay attention to a movie. It is very dense. And, yeah. uh, and so just, just basically know that like, I need to just, Focus on this movie. If you, and, uh, if you speak it. the language of Romania, maybe you can browse your phone. Sure. But, but otherwise, yeah, read the in. screen because it's, you're going to miss some stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty thrilling throughout. It is. It is. It's a very tense thriller. I'm going to go. I, you know, I was thinking I'm going to go with one that wasn't on my 10, but okay. also nominated for an Oscar. And so I'm going to go with, I know you're going to be excited about this. Love and Monsters, Noah. Oh, yeah. That's a great. That? Uh, that was a great little movie. It's a delightful, wonderful little film. It's a ton of fun. You'll have a blast watching it. You'll laugh. It's exciting. It's great. Good star turn by Dylan O'Brien. But you have to rent it, which you can. So just do so. It's very, very good. All right. Next week. It's lightning. Striking. Okay. Um, we We have our eight films, guys. So let me just read these as we go up and then I'll stop uh and talk to you about next week because next week we're doing half of the elite in half so here are eight the one seed terminator 2 will face the one seed pretty woman the four seed speed will take on the one seed the lion king and next week the three seed toy story will take on the three seed the sounds of the lambs and the one seed Mrs. Doubtfire takes on the behemoth, the one seed Titanic. We're getting into it. We have eight films left. One of these will be crowned the greatest blockbuster of the nineties. And starting next week, we're going to have guests on the show. Wow. Some of your old favorites and maybe even a new one. Um, that will all be happening uh, next week. The lady and a half or we're, we're going to have shorter episodes because we're done with the Oscars. So you can look forward to that as well. Um, 
and uh, Noah wraps up. You can come find us uh, at what's in the box office.com. We are on Twitter at wit box office. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. I'm at Brian DeServer, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. And of course, the feed for our podcast is found anywhere podcasts are found. We're on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We would love for you to come join us. Our guests would love for you to come join us yes. uh, starting next week. It's a wonderful time to get in once we've narrowed it down to eight movies, really any of which could win this tournament. Eight movies remain. They've broken from the shackles of their genres. We're genre on genre, people. This is going to be very exciting. Noah, happy three-year anniversary to this podcast. To you as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been What's in the Box Office. I have been your host, Brian. And I have been your host, Noah. Thank you for listening. And in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.